Rundown is a show where four Catholic men opine on current affairs of the world, on matters of faith, culture, and politics. It's unfiltered, it's daring, and it's certainly unapologetic. The Rundown is a weekly news show, but it's more than that. It's a family of like-minded Catholics who are preparing for the coming chastisement. We cover church news politics, and current events around the world, linking them in a way no one else does, giving you the perspective no one else can. The Rundown is not meant for children because it informs and prepares parents, young adults, seminarians, even priests watch The Rundown to know about the most pressing and evolving threats to the Catholic faith today. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com This is the rundown, the most watched, least trusted Catholic disinfo hour there is. This week, a prince of the church sounds off on at least one of the men wearing white in Rome, marking the 60th anniversary of the beginning of the alleged Second Vatican Council with very sharp remarks and a sharp rebuke of one of those white-clad-in clerics. Alex Jones is now going to have to pay a billion dollars for just wondering out loud why Robbie Parker looked like he was a crisis actor. Your president-in-chief, uh, commander-in-chief, so-called, uh, is stumbling around with <laughs> sponge brain. Uh, and uh, as Ann Barnhart says, blank pants uh, walking around. Lots to talk about there. Stuff happening in Florida. So much to discuss. Guys, this is a rundown. Let's get started. <laughs> Do not come. Do not come. Says that says this: the John Birch Society considers communism only one arm of a national of a master conspiracy in which socialist American insiders are plotting to establish world government. 
Now, it also says, and here's Director John McManus, that's your public relations director, saying that former Secretary of State Alexander Haig and CIA Director William Casey are two of these master conspirators who are plotting to establish world government. Now, what do you say? Uh, you know, that kind of silly, asinine statement is what makes pe make people laugh at the John Birch Society. Well, Tom, I'm sure, being a long-standing member of the Rockefeller apparatus, uh, and as a member of the Council on Foreign Relations of long-standing, you're fully aware that you, there is an elitist core in this country that has seen value in subsidizing communism or protecting communism. It has? Sure. You're accusing me of subsidizing communism? No, no, I'm saying because that there I is, to belong no, to a, no, to there a is an elite core. Study no, that, group? No, no, wait a minute. There is an elite core in this country that has dominated American society. Well, I'm not one of them. Well, the Trilateral Commission, the Trilateral Commission, Council, Council on Foreign Relations. State here's Department, I suppose. Well, let's face it, they've dominated the State Department for 40 years, mm -hmm. and uh, pretty much openly All so. right, but what are they trying to do? Well, their objective now? is to try to bring about a gradual transition in our society, a dissolving of sovereignty, and a moving steadily to the left on the political spectrum. Well, who are the they? Belief the elitist groups that I mentioned, particularly key individuals and policymakers in the Council on Foreign Relations. Is the International Monetary Fund part of this? Well, I would say the International Monetary Fund has certainly been set up for the purpose of facilitating that transfer of sovereignty and transfer of wealth on the road. Right, we elected Mr. Conservative. Let me just finish the point, right. because otherwise we're going to have a lot of un unanswered questions, that you are looking at a group that has worked to bring about a dissolution of national sovereignties on the road to world government. And certainly uh, you're familiar with uh, local professor Carol Quigley, who has been part of your club, in which he admitted all this. And he said in his book, Tragedy and Hope, the only thing I disagree is that we've worked to keep it a secret. So we'll see if... Uh Robbie Parker, I assume he's going to come out to the microphones now and make a statement. Uh, looks like the family is there and they're getting ready to make uh, to come to the microphone. So we'll listen. In. Okay. So my name is Robbie Parker. My family is one of the families that lost a child yesterday in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings here in Connecticut.
If Alex Jones gets fined a billion dollars, the rundown gets fined $10 billion, Brother Martin. We are allowed to wonder out loud why Robbie Parker looks like a crisis actor in these United States. We are allowed to wonder that still. And if we're not allowed to wonder that, we're still going to wonder that. Care what they say. What say you? This is very much contrary to enlightenment principles where supposedly you have even freedom of thought, freedom to just think out loud, and freedom to think in public. Uh, I don't know what the, exactly the crisis is, but it, we're obviously past the anybody who thinks that we're progressing in society for, precisely because of libertarian reasons or, or uh, just uh, freedom of thinking, that kind of you know, free thinking. Uh, that's that's not allowed anymore. You're not allowed to just ask questions. You're not allowed to ponder. You're not allowed to take one video shot and compare it with another video shot and say, "Hey, isn't this the same guy?" Uh, it, it's all absolutely absurd. Um, I think we really are. I mean, with, with other things regarding the Biden administration, the use of the FBI, we really are. Um, really, have, we have to wake up and recognize that we're, we live in a police state. Uh, we live in a, uh, in a state where the, the Gestapo exists and, and the FBI is being used by the Biden administration to silence uh, certain people. The justice system is not a justice system. It's used to silence certain people um, from thinking what, what, what might actually be true. Yeah, the FBI is being weaponized against uh, Catholics. By the way, James joins us. We're live with uh, with Brother Martin. I promise you, Bug Hall, he had some car trouble, but we had to replace... It takes two men to replace one man. That is Bug Hall. We have Alberto joining us from a familiar scene off camera. And uh, and Philip, <laughs> welcome back, Phil. How are you? Uh, <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the Federal uh, Bureau of Investigation, so called, uh, going after uh, well, just you know, Bible believing Christians, pro life Catholics, those types of people, nasty people. And it's getting scary. Paul Vaughn, who was arrested in front of his many children, joins us now. He's joined by his attorney, Peter Breen, who's a senior counsel and VP at the Thomas More Society. Thank you both very much. Paul, first to you. Um, I, I have to wonder, what did your children think of this? Well, Tucker, they, uh, you know, there's various thoughts and uh, processing going on as they're uh, dealing with this and trying to uh, work through what happened. Uh, fortunately, as a Christian family, we do a lot of studying about historic Christianity and missionaries in the past and persecution that has happened in the church. So they're familiar with stories. They know that people have been martyred throughout history. They know they've been persecuted and, and picked on by bully tyrants uh, just in other parts of history, just like they are being in America today. But you're not allowed to unleash the FBI on an entire religion, are you? Absolutely not. And, and don't think because they've been trained that makes it OK. When when I, when my kids go out to the car to go to school and the FBI pulls up armed, running to the door and one of them goes to the kids and holds the kids with a long gun aside of my driveway and does not let them go into the house. That is absolutely, as my wife said in the video, unacceptable. And so there needs to be accountability. Well, it's it's one of the most shocking things I think I've ever seen. I, I have to ask you, so the FBI, the Department of Justice, I can barely say that phrase with a straight face, is claiming that you're a, a, a violent extremist who is a physical threat to others. Do you embrace violence? Have you ever committed violence? What are they talking about? No, I have no idea. That's, yeah. There's absolutely no evidence of that. Other, The only place that is ever even seen is in the documents that they made up and uh, used to justify in their mind and through the um, 
justice system, the ones that signed off on this, needed some yep. kind of justification in their own minds. America is the land of the free and the home of the brave, Philip. That's why you came here, right? I mean, you're here. Aren't you so glad you're here? Oh, James? Got sorry, it. sorry, James. <laughs> I, saw, I saw Philip on the screen there. It's, it's confusing to me. Uh, James, aren't you glad you're in the land of the free, home of the brave? Um, you know, this is absolutely tragic. I've been in this country uh, many decades now. Uh, well, several decades, I should say, about 26 years. And um, I have never seen anything like this before. Uh, last week, I was talking about ha having grown up rather in uh, Washington, D.C., my formative uh, adult years, uh, and seen uh, something like this perhaps shaping out in D.C. itself but never thought it would fan out into uh, other parts of the U.S. You know, of course, the, you know, Washington, D.C. is home to people like Pelosi and all the uh, most uh, liberal uh, Congress people you could imagine. And you can kind of see them perhaps pushing back against uh, people praying at the 16th Street uh, uh, Planned Parenthood at that at, at the time. And so we took it in stride, you know, uh, you know, cops often would harass uh, people who were praying, but nobody at that uh, time was ever raided. Nobody was was basically thrown in jail. Um, it was, hey, you know, what are you doing here? Um, how often do you do this? Are you planning to uh, incite any violence here? Oh, no. Were well, you praying? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, have a good day. That's usually kind of how it ended. But mm -hmm. now in 2022, we're seeing things uh, escalate. We're seeing Joe Biden take advantage of the DOJ. Well, the DOJ has already been uh, ransacked by um the uh, progressive forces i suppose and so uh, it's now clinton's it's actually clinton's clinton's and obama's doj so that's who we have running things and of course um you know uh this is a sad time for us americans who are trying to actually fight back against the uh aggression of the left you know by mind you using our you know weapon of choice which is the holy rosary uh but this is not acceptable yeah. to to, to these people I think I think Bill Clinton actually would be very proud of uh, of 2022 America. I believe that together we can make America great again. See, he's proud. He's happy. He wants to make America great again. All right, Phil, uh, you're 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 the actual Phil here. Uh, what's what say you? What's going on here? Is this the land of the free, home of the brave, or are we literally living through some kind of tyranny? And and very few people are willing to just actually say it. Yeah, I think if we're not, we're definitely in the initial stages of it. And um, what really alarms me here, obviously, what happened to this guy and his family and anyone that's going through something like this is just very awful and tragic and a miscarriage of justice. But the the thing that's really scary is that when you how the, how the public narrative is being crafted, whenever you read about the polarization, destabilization of the country, the prevalent narrative is that it is democracy that is under attack from the right, that it is, uh, you know, the awful Trump supporters and the conservative Christians and the rightists who are destabilizing society. Um, and obviously, when we see stories like this, you see that's not the case. And what's really diabolical about this is not just that they're going to do this and it's going to intensify, but that they're going to say it's our fault while it's happening. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's sort of uh, demon psychology too. Uh, is is written about uh, by those uh, those famous Russian authors who some of whom survived the gulags, uh, you know, and and um, have written about how 
the the communists would be torturing you and they would be hooping and hollering and they would be making all kinds of you know weird screeching noises just in in reverie and blaming you for what is happening to you alberto you're in this country uh you're are you happy to be here now do you feel like uh that the promise of america that the promise of freedom and and uh, equal justice under the law is is legitimate to you as a roman catholic well we all know that it isn't for us and we know that it's going to be much less so for our children but where i do see a little bit of hope is that when i look at uh, every other country uh empire etc in the world in history where the faith has gone, it has faced persecution from the government with uh, basically the only exception being in the United States. So this may be the beginning of that. And as we know, the, the traditionalist movement is the biggest in France uh, and uh, in the United States. So who knows, may maybe if we start seeing more perse persecution to the church, uh, it may end up being a good thing because we're, we're in one of the few countries, if any, where the government has not openly and uh, and just with rage persecuted the church so who knows maybe, maybe we are entering finally into that time mexico had it at the beginning of the of uh, last century government just violently persecuted the church for you know even for about 100 years so maybe we are entering that period in the in the in the history of the church in the united states uh, and maybe that means that for some reason uh, maybe unknown unknown to us for now maybe that means that the church is making progress in in a certain sense at least in the traditionalist movement where we know that we are seeing uh very holy families we're seeing some growth where the rest of the church is not going there and the fact that we have the biggest one of the biggest traditionalist movements in the united states maybe it's now our time in the united states to see that persecution yeah could be uh, we're going to talk about the trad movement uh, worldwide and in the United States. We have a trad bishop who is rebuking one of the men in Rome who wears a white cassock. Uh, but before we do that, I have to draw your attention. Some of you are asking in the live chat, where's Ryan? Ryan has welcomed a new life today. Uh, I believe it's his ninth, his ninth, eighth or ninth child uh, born. And they are asking for you, not only your prayers, but your help. I've posted this link into the live chat. This is a give, send, go link for the Grant family. They're asking for Ryan uh, preaches quite a bit on this program about uh, one of the things that he hates is insurance. Uh, so if you could find it in your uh, heart and your budget to help Ryan out, they had an emergency C-section, which is not cheap. And uh, he's only asking to raise $10,000 to help welcome his young daughter into the world. I believe her name is said here on the give send go but i'm not going to say the name on youtube uh, but you can find the link in the show notes in the live chat and we'll bring this up in the grifting segment as well it would be really uh kind of swell if uh if we could raise this money for ryan and his family okay alberto off camera cryptically wonder why you're off camera maybe you don't want to get doxxed and blackmailed and sued uh mentioned the uh, the trad movement and that it is perhaps bearing some fruits uh, here in the United States. I want to bring something else up here. If I can uh, continue talking and presenting, I want to share my screen and show you uh, a video from Bishop Athanasius Schneider. Can you guys see this? Not, not yet. No, not, not yet. yet. No. Let's add it to the stream. 
Here we are. This is as reported on Gloria.tv, but it looks like it's a remnant video. I'm going to attempt to full screen this and play the the opening minute of His Excellency's comments, which I think are so interesting that he uh, that he put this out there into the wide distribution. We are doing this because of love for you, for the Holy See, for the liturgy of all saints, and this will be for you in the hour of your judgment. A consolation, because we did not collaborate with your harmful orders. Okay, so he goes on in the video, and you guys should all go check out Gloria uh, TV. He goes on in the video, Brother Martin, I want to kick it back over to you, and he says, I have to correct Francis because that's how much I love him. Um, I heard him, I was with him in person uh, in the Deep South last week. Uh, I was the MC at an event of his. And at that event, and I don't know if he says this in this video, but he also says, I told the Holy Father that you have no better friend than me. I pray so much for you. I pray possibly more for you than any other bishop. And I especially pray for your conversion. Um, I thought that was pretty, pretty uh, powerful wow. comment by uh, Bishop Schneider. He comes out and he basically says, Brother Martin, we are not being disobedient by holding fast to the tradition. The tradition, holding fast to the tradition, in fact, is a way to express filial charity towards our brothers in Christ here and to the Holy Father. Absolutely, because you can't have charity without truth, and you can't have truth without charity. They're 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 co principles here. Um, when people are just yes men, and there's a lot of chanceries full of yes men, people that are just willing to tell those that are above them yes, 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 absolutely, whatever you want, and just willing to to, to tell them whatever they want to hear. Those aren't they don't really love them because they they will also they always happen to be um, the guys that will be the first ones to distance themselves um, to be Judases, so to speak. And uh, distancing themselves from the person that they were telling, yes, yes, yeah, absolutely, your ideas are great, your ideas are great. Um, and so they were never, they really, they never really loved the superior to begin with because they were always afraid to to tell them the truth, to tell them the way they should go. Say, oh, your excellency, so to speak, if you're a superior as a bishop, uh, you're you're wrong in this way. This is actually the way you should go. This is what what actually the truth is. And so when there's one superior, uh, a pope. Um, going down the wrong path and, and trying to be too pastoral and forgetting all about the truth and, and tradition and everything else. Um, someone in charity, because they love the Pope, because they love the papacy, because they want to lead, uh, help him do help him fulfill his office, they have to, to, to voice to him the truth saying, you're, uh, you're, you're well, Holy Father, you're, you're, you're wrong in this. You're, you're wrong in, in, in trying to portray the Catholic faith to be something that it, it is not. You're wrong in trying to welcome people who are unrepentant, um, because that's that's always the key to, to to get into this this hospital for sinners, which is the church is is to repent and believe in the gospel. The very first words are, are said in his public ministry, and so those who are telling them this are simply reminding them what 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 popes and, and saints have said uh, for centuries. And so it's true that uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider and others, uh, the Dubia Cardinals, uh, come to mind. That would express filial corrections are just simply those who are really exercising true charity in their in their offices and, and, and helping the Holy Father fulfill his office. 
Now, if uh, because the Holy Father uh, appears to have a particular agenda to use his office to uh, obfuscate, obfuscate the, the true religion, to, to promote a, a false religion, and as do many bishops, as, as the Flemish bishops do um, in Belgium, um, obviously they're not, gonna, they're not going to accept this charity. They're going to see it as a threat. And so they're call, they'll call them enemies and call them schismatics and, and everything else under the sun that, that's uh, a sort of prejudice because that's one thing that uh, the Enlightenment um, really exercised. You know, for the educated people, you can teach them the Enlightenment and, and, and modern philosophy. But for the uneducated uh, group of people, and there's a vast un uneducated group of people, you can't really explain to them philosophy. So what do you do? You introduce new prejudices and, and you, you sell them. You constantly uh, clickbait, so to speak. You, 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 you say them on and on and on and on over and over and over and over. And so they just, it, it just catches onto them. And so they start accusing people as, as bigots or whatever else, as Maddox, um, so on and so forth. James, it's interesting. The left has opposed and resisted the papacy for 100 years. Now, when the right does it, they're called all of these names. Um, recognize and resist is trying to walk a fine line, really, because if you if you dip too far to the right, you become Sedi Vicantes. And if you dip too far to the left, you fall into the abyss of being a fake news network that just bashes trads all day. So uh, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, you know, it is, it's a, it's a fine line we're walking here. Yeah, it's definitely a fine line. And we've been walking this line for, uh, for decades, you know, um, people, uh, sometimes don't realize how, how far back this resistance goes. Um, and this, surely this uh, anniversary we're, we're marking, the 60th anniversary of the opening of the council, the infamous council, is a reminder that the resistance had perhaps even started for a time slightly before that. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a movement that has kept picking up speed ever since uh, even though, you know, the movement started slowly, uh, but, but surely the movement has picked up speed uh, with each passing uh, tyrant who has held the office. And I don't say that lightly. Uh, Francis, of course, being the, the you know, the most, uh, uh, you know, egregious offender uh, toward traditionalists. Um, but um, it's certainly something that uh, we, we see a movement uh, swelling. And uh, true to Alberta's statement, it's as, as though the church, you know, can now, we can now see the church is actually being, uh, is, you know, the faithful in the church are being persecuted uh, in, in the open by civil authorities, if you can imagine that. You know, it's one thing to, it's one thing to, to, to suffer, you know, uh, inside, inside the church by, by uh, the civil authorities. But when you have both the civil and, <laughs> and the ecclesial authorities, you know, it makes it makes uh, this quite mm. uh, the passion, so to speak, uh, and we can only hope to have this pain alleviated uh, very quickly. But only time will tell how all this will play out. And it's of course it's it's uh, very gracious of uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider to uh, come to us with with an inspiring words. You know, I would say yeah. more so inspiring than the words of uh, uh, Cardinal Burke, uh, who spoke uh, a few months ago. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we continue to pray and to, um, uh, offer sacrifices, uh, for that time when the time comes to, to keep standing fast and to hold on to these traditions and pass them down. Yeah. You say only time will tell and Phil you're next, but, uh, it, it, 
it's only really a matter of time before I'm going to play you a video. It's shocking. I don't think it's in a Catholic church, but it's only a matter of time before you see a video like this and someone says, oh, this happened in Chicago. And you say, oh, of course it did in a allegedly in a Catholic church. This is the direction that the bogus ordo is going. Thanks for Miss Pentecost. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you like her eyeshadow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she'll let you borrow it when you're older, like when you're this. allowed to wear makeup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world. Uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, and that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, to change into something new uh, and to not be bound by the ways that the world... Can uh, he, what, he, what he finished his sentence saying is he doesn't want you to be bound by the ways of the world. You can serve a new God, uh, according to this new religion, in which you can uh, you you're not even bound by the laws of nature, Phil. You're not you're not bound by the laws of natural law. You're certainly not bound by the laws of logic or uh, scholastic philosophy. I thought I was going to talk about Athanasius Schneider, and then you played that, and now I'm, <laughs> I'm mortified. Uh, I don't I don't know what to say. I just it, it, I'm sure we all feel the same about it. I just. I hope that that priest comes wherever he is, whatever denomination, that guy, I hope he comes to his senses before judgment day. And I pray for those kids. Um, I just, I just pray for their protection. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's, that's all we can do. Alberto, uh, the trad movement, you said it, it's growing around the world, but if it's, if it's really, especially pronounced in two nations, it's the eldest daughter of the church in France and it's the United States of America. In these two nations, on a percentage basis, uh, the traditional movement is, is growing by leaps and bounds, and the prelates in both countries don't know how to stop it. Yeah, they're, they're if only they, some of them, if only, if only they just fought liberalism uh, and all the stuff that we're seeing the civil government do as hard as they fight traditionalism. Uh, so the, the, the reality of the situation is that the video that we just played right now, you, if they told you that it was in a bogus order church, I would believe it in a, in a second. Why? Because the same weekend that, uh, quote unquote, supposed Cardinal Supic bans the traditional Latin mass in, in his archdiocese, the same weekend, there was uh, the most, uh, blasphemous and sacrilegious and horrible display going on. And we, I bet most of the rundown audience has seen those type of videos and what's going on in some of the parishes in the Chicago area. So uh, at, at some point, I just have to sit back and, and just laugh a little bit and, and, and think, man, the, if they were trying to destroy tradition, you would think that they would be doing it with a, with a quote-unquote reverent Novus Ordo. But I think that, that at this point, even those that at, at least at some point were trying to hide the, the, the insane liberalism of the Novus Ordo are saying that at the end of the day, even the Reverend Novus Ordo, it's going to lead to that video. And they're, they're not even trying anymore to hide that. So they're, they're just saying we're just basically already at that point. And what we are seeing is even people that call themselves, themselves Catholics 
are attacking other Catholics that are sounding the alarms, along with even cardinals that are saying, hey, the Synod on Synodality is trying to destroy the church, is trying to, to turn the church into something even, the Novus Sort Church into something even more unrecognizable. And we're seeing even, we're, we're, it's turning into sort of a, a firing squad between, between Catholics who all, are still trying to uh, defend, for whatever reason, for, for a grift maybe, are still trying to defend uh, what uh, Francis and company are doing versus what we are saying the reality is, which uh, at the end of the day, it's a, it ends up being just what we saw in that video. I went to a little school called Holy Rosary Grade School across McClaymont Fire Hall, and all my buddies that came either became a firefighter, a cop, or a priest. I wasn't qualified for any of them, so here I am. But All right, let's talk about race for a second and skin color. This is the least white catholic podcast there is this is the most diverse catholic podcast on the internet and uh let's talk about politics for a second you you no longer can be white and a democrat according to some democrats including this white democrat look i spoke before or after joe biden half a dozen times and the fact is when he came off that stage you know what people were not saying that guy has the energy the vigor the, the, like the, and the then all of a sudden president. he developed it. You're missing the most important thing, Andrew. The early states are full of white liberals. They don't like Joe. Then when we moved to real Democrats, African-Americans in the South, they loved him and he steamrolled everybody. Because in my party, the heart and soul of the party are people of color, not pain in the ass white liberals on Twitter. I'm sorry to <laughs> use bad language. <laughs> I think but, you could touch the button here. Yeah, because, but that's the heart of my party. The Republicans should start with white Christian yeah. evangelicals. Okay. That's their heart. But, my but, party should start with people of color. Well, the true, the true, the true party. Brother Martin, what are you in the wrong party because you're a person of color and uh, and and pain in the ass white liberals on Twitter have no place in the new Democrat party. What's interesting as I was I was telling a friend this earlier today is that uh, more and more you see actually a lot of uh, Latina young Latina women running as Republicans for uh, the House of Representatives or state legislators. Like if, if one simply looks at who's running for office from wh whose party, one sees who the party of the minorities actually is. I mean, we, we're seeing a huge shift, in, especially in South Texas, um, with Myra Flores. And uh, yeah, I'm certainly not Latinx. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was certainly a white, it had to be a white person who coined the term Latinx because no, no Hispanic would ever, uh, you know, dis, dis their, the language they love uh, and, and remove the O or the A and put on an X. It's, it's just pure stupidity. So I had to come from a, <laughs> anyway. Um, aren't you, aren't you like cousins with my wife or something? I, I heard that somewhere. Somebody once asked that out loud. Yeah. Uh, just because we're the same skin color, we have to be cousins, something, something like that. Like, like that. As, as if we, we all reproduce like rabbits or you something. You all look you know? the same to some people, James. Uh, <laughs> James. Uh, I didn't mean to cut to you on that one. That was an interesting one. You all look the same. So, James, uh, what is going on here? You have a white liberal saying that white liberals have no place. Is this the epitome, the peak of virtue signaling? Has Is this finally the cliff off of which virtue signaling has fallen is this the last time we're ever going to see something like this? So much gaslighting. I, I, I can't imagine he, he thinks that is the reality. He's making it up. And you kind of see Andrew Yang on edge there wanting to cut in and say, <laughs> yeah. what in the world are you talking about? But he was holding back, you know. Um, of course, that's, that's ludicrous. People do not like Joe Biden because Joe Biden is not doing 
anybody any favors. He's not doing his party any favors. He's not doing the country any favors. He's not doing any constituents of his any favors. People don't like him because he is unlikable. People don't like his vice president because she is unlikable. You know, and um, she's a we Karen. She's she's a, a Karen times times a hundred. Um, and so pe people are getting frustrated. We've had what two years now of the same thing, even getting worse. Uh, people are frustrated, and people um, like you you saw early on are getting mad at the establishment. Not just Joe Biden; they're getting mad at the establishment. They're getting mad because people and and the biggest thing you can you can kind of see is when there is uh, the the war drum being beat by both parties. You know something is wrong, right? And so we saw this with nine uh, eleven. We saw this. In the aftermath of 9/11, rather, with uh, going, you know, beating the drum, going for uh, uh, to uh, to Iraq, and when both parties became became the unit party, you're thinking, wait a second here, mm -hmm. you know, what 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 what's happening? And the same thing is happening again today. People are questioning how quickly all the anti-war Democrats fell fell in line so yeah, quickly, right. you know. And right. so this is frustrating, you know, gas prices jumping, and then we're going to go to war, and then there's high inflation. I mean, people cannot deal with this. Well, and I don't know AOC. where. Yeah. Even, even AOC. AOC. She yep. ran as an outsider. She was supposed to be anti-war. Right. She was right. this bartender, econ major. Now yeah. she's getting, she's taking it from the left for being right. and, a right. war hawk. Yeah. And my last comment on this is uh, there was the um, o, um, Omar congresswoman uh, from uh, Minnesota whose constituents uh, include other Africans of her country. She got booed off stage yeah isn't Why she is married that? to her brother too or something like that <laughs> congresswoman none of this matters unless there's a nuclear war which you voted to send arms and weapons to ukraine Tulsi Gabbard, she's left the democratic party because there are a bunch of war hawks okay you originally voted you ran as an outsider yet you've been voting to start this war in ukraine you're voting to start a thermonuclear war with russia and china why are you playing with the lives of American citizens? You're playing with our lives. There will be no neighbors if there's a nuclear bomb. You voted to mobilize and send money to Ukrainian Nazis. You're a coward. You're a progressive socialist. Where are you against the war mobilization? It goes on and on and on, Phil. She is taking hits from the left. She's not AOC is not left enough in today's democrat party and uh but thankfully she's not white so at least she could still be a member of the party according to white people who are part of the party liberalism just continually eats itself that's like like people get into it and then it just moves further and further and then people like aoc they they become mainstream you know over time <laughs> i never thought i'd be saying that but that's the way it is it just constantly uh liberalism and this ties in with the racism thing too this whole ideology there must always be there must always be an enemy you know that needs to be devoured the the party consistently needs to be purified uh continually but it's also something I think when you see someone like AOC runs an outsider, they get in. I think what a lot of people don't understand, and I, I speak a little bit from experience, haven't been in politics, but just at the local level for a few years, that um, you know people on the outside they tend to not realize the the power that the institutions have, the bureaucracy, the administration, the unelected people behind the scenes. You come in as an outsider with all these ideas. I'm going to do this, this, and this. I'm going to reshuffle things. Then you start to be like, okay. I see how the system works. I can't get anything done. 
unless I play ball with this pre-existing machinery that's there and you start to get integrated into the Borg collective. And then before long, you're, you're, you're just mainstream, you know? Um, and that's simply the way it works. The, the machine kind of devours everybody that throws themselves, uh, into it. And that's, what's happening to AOC right now. And I just, uh, I, I just, I've seen that video several times. I think it's hilarious. Um, I don't know if that guy was a, you know, a right wing agitator, if he was just a liberal who was ticked off, but props to that guy for, for shouting her down. Yeah. Good point. Uh, good point. Uh, Raising the possibility that it's probably just a plant because uh, everything is political theater. Everything is staged. So it's really just hard to discern. Hey, uh, if you raise the possibility, he might be a plant. Get ready to get sued there. Okay. You're going to get sued I, and taken to court. I have. That's it. I have some experience in that. Just just asking questions, logical questions can be uh, dangerous in this country. Uh, Alberto, I want to kick it over to you, but but it's not even enough like being white or brown isn't isn't enough the question in today's democrat party is like do you even identify as a homo sapien there's kids ready for this my friend his wife is a school teacher and she works at a school that had to install a litter box in the girls room because there is a girl who's a furry oh who identifies goodness. as an animal and her mother badgered the school until they agreed to put a litter box in one of the stalls. Yeah. So this girl goes into the litter room or to the, the girl's room and urinates or whatever. I don't know if she poops in it. That's pretty gross. <laughs> That's you know I mean? Like if you could teach your cat, by the way, here's the thing. If you could teach your cat to use the toilet, you would. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like you don't want a box of piss <laughs> yeah, in your house. Right. It's the worst. I've had cats my whole okay. life. It's the worst thing about having cats. You got to clean that box of piss every day. Yeah. Like it's the greatest thing about dogs. They go outside. Like you're you're a fucking the human. Okay, I didn't know I was gonna say the F word, Alberto. Uh, <laughs> how long will it be? Here's the question, Alberto. How long will it be before human beings are no longer welcome in the Democrat Party? Uh, it, they probably already are already there because uh, as, as we know you they're basically at the point where if you have somewhat of a conscience or of a, some so, somewhat of a semblance of a, having a soul then you're probably not not welcome already in the democrat party and uh, the, the 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 funny thing about the whole race relations and, and race debate is that if uh, the average liberal white democrat spoke to a <laughs> to a, uh, a hispanic guy out of blue collar worker out on the street that spoke no english in the united states they would probably be surprised at what they would hear uh, they, they would probably not hear what they, they what they would be expecting uh, so that's very funny to me they they just get it completely entirely wrong because they think that it just feels good to them uh, and as uh, as joe rogan was say saying there the 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 public schools are just entirely off the rails. A, a friend spoke with a friend recently, and he tells me that his son, in one of the one of the he he sent his son to, to public school. In one of the one of the projects, he wrote "All Lives Matter," and he was told, "You are not allowed to speak politics in the classroom." Now, of course, those that say BLM have no problem whatsoever, but if you say "All Lives Matter" in a classroom, you are being political. Uh, what do you think we input. need to do? Oh, oh we need a revolution. Yeah, and we need it no, now. Not, not later. Now. Sorry, I just couldn't help myself, Alberto. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's uh, that's uh, the absolute state of public schools. But 
that that's just at the end of the day that's what's very funny to me the the white liberals don't know don't know the average uh you know hispanic guy out on the street tr just trying to make a living for himself and for his family ladies and gentlemen we have a special guest who just joined us after this quick break we're going to have a discussion a hard discussion about father james jackson fssp Michael Archer, renowned uh, forensic scientist, joins us from wherever you are, possibly the state of New York, and you are here to talk about the latest and greatest with Father Jackson. Archer, welcome to the well, well, thank you. I'm in New York, and um, I'm here to talk about everything. I mean, The Rundown is a program that's dedicated to the free and open exchange of ideas and of opinions in the belief that as Americans, we have the right to hear and to be heard, right? So what is on your mind this evening? Well, I'm sorry, I'm 40, 54 minutes late. You're late, um, but you're fashionably late. Here though. I am. It's very Italian of you. But I'm not Italian at all. I'm all Irish. You know that. <laughs> um, I've been accused. They've called me a Mick Wop, right? So that's kind of like being called a fake brother, I guess, right? Well, just you know, don't. Fake mom, you know? <laughs> Mick Wop. I just I wonder if Archer's going to give us the Irish good night, you know, where he's like, hey, I'll be right back. And he never comes back. Well, you know, that's not true because upcoming is the most popular unpop in the history of the rundown. Oh, you want to do an unpop? You want to stay the oh, whole show? Man. Oh, you know what? Well, Michael, unless you don't you, have it in you. I mean, if you no, don't if have you it want... in you and you want me to leave early, I mean, that's fine. That's too. Wow. <laughs> I have been threatening yeah. since I know you that I have. The most unpopular unpop in the history of the rundown. What are you, gay? <laughs> what did I just text you? I wanted the cat. I didn't want that. <laughs> oh, now our monitors, will, our monitors will subpoena our text from tonight, right? Uh, maybe so, they will. The yellow, the yellow journal. But you know, we could be like yeah. Trump and not respond to the subpoena. Let's talk about Trump, by the way. J6 committee comes out unanimously, subpoenas Trump and says, we want to we want to get Trump in here to testify. A, it's meaningless. They're about to lose the house anyway. B, he's not going to go in and testify. C, nobody cares what Liz Cheney has to, has to say. But the whole thing is just such a sham. I listen to a lot of it because I do a lot of driving around and I listen to the news networks while I'm driving around, Archer. I don't know if you caught much of it. Uh, they're still they're trying to blame Donald J. Trump for, you know, like the old lady. Remember her waving the flag inside the Capitol? Very menacing, this woman. Uh, uh, you know, the 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 our, our entire democracy was almost overturned. And by the way, speaking of crisis actors and Robbie Parker, it looked to me like Harry, Harry, uh, Chuck Schumer, whatever his name is. And uh, Nancy Weinbox Pelosi, by the way, careful who you call Weinbox these days. Uh, right. sh those two, those two were literally just crisis acting on camera. They were like, oh, Mr. Attorney General, why don't you have the president make a statement? The whole thing was staged, Archer. And the thing is, you, you got MSNBC, you got CNN saying, look at how cool and calm under pressure Weinbox Pelosi was. Of course she's cool and calm. They all knew what was happening. 
course they knew what was happening. You know, I don't know if I told you this, but I was Trump's second pick to be the National um, Highway Traffic Safety Administrator. Um, we've all, right, fake it till you make it. You know, one of the, of course, the yellow journalists would say. So I don't know. Do you know that? Um, and uh, the Russians, as Trump was being elected, came into my email and they actually posted a fake obit about me. Wow. Yeah. But you're still so, here. Do so we you still here? Do you so have when you a say body Russians? Double? I didn't hear you there. What's that? Do you have a body double? I, I don't know. <laughs> a basilica, right? The body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm building a basilica. <laughs> nice. So I so I'm curious, Michael, when you say when you say Russians, do you mean Russians? Or is there something uh or is there nothing sinister about about that comment? No, no, it's the it's the Vladimir Putin uh, Putin people. Um, okay, wow. and we 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 actually the certain agencies were very kind in nailing down where the threat came from, and it it was them, it was them, it was within 150 feet of their embassy. Oh wow! So, but there's lots of people in New York City, you know, so it might not be a Russian. It, well, you never know, right? <laughs> so, Donald Trump, does he run again or not, Phil? We'll start with you. Does he run again or is he hobbled by all this? Well, I think he's absolutely going to run again. I mean, whether he has any any steam, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't think this January 6th stuff is going to stick to him. I mean, his his base, his voters uh, that that everything that happened in the summer of 2020 with 40 plus American cities being burned down mm -hmm. and those people weren't charged with with anything. And then the people walking around taking pictures in the Capitol on January 6th, that that's an insurrection. That's not going to stick to Trump. I mean, oh, I'd say they broke a window. Weinbach said they broke a window. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'd say if anything damages Trump, it's going to be something like a DeSantis challenge or, or something from a, a Republican contender that is more palatable to uh -huh. the GOP today, not not this January 6th stuff. I mean, they're going to try and delegitimize him, maybe try and through some criminal charge, uh, I, I don't know, make it so he can't run, but I don't think that's going to stick. How about the uh, how about the documents? Uh, I'll, I'll kick it to Alberto and then uh, over to, to Michael Archer. Uh, you know, every single president in the history of the presidency takes stuff from the mo from the the White House, right? And presidents have classification and declassification authority. Uh, it's not exactly correct, I don't think, for him to say that I could just think it and make it so. That's a little weird. Uh, I don't think you know. I don't think you could declassify something with your uh, telepathy, let's say, Alberto. But uh, but the fact of the matter is that like Sandy Berger was stuffing documents from the National Archives in his shirt for Bill Clinton, and nothing happened to him. Uh, Trump took some documents to Mar-a-Lago, which were double locked. Uh, and under lock and key, and they're claiming that this is some thing. Uh, do you think that they end up hobbling him with some uh, with some felony charge that prevents him from running, or or do you think this is more political theater? It's just more political theater. I think they. Uh, and to, to start off, who even knows how legitimate all of this is? It, we already know all the propaganda going on. So even if let's say that. This is not political theater. This is supposedly legit, et cetera, et cetera. Who's to say that that's not 
even something they're if they're making up or or they are they somehow planted those documents in etc cetera, etc cetera. but I, I think it's just more political theater i think that uh gives him so much to to be able so to speak to grifton uh and i i, I eventually i don't think that they're gonna have enough so to speak at least in in political capital to go ahead and prevent him from running via a legal technicality yeah. i don't think they're i don't think they're going to be able to to do that because at the end of the day we we all know that justice is political so i think that they even if he was guilty i think you, you just look at that and you say there's no way that we that we are able to do that uh, but i think it, but all in all i think it's just more political theater i think they they probably are using that to wage the to more or less take a look at what the public opinion is, et cetera, et cetera, and just sort of start the campaign battle uh, ahead of what uh, the regular timing is. And I think that's just more, more of that. Michael Archer, you know something about human well, psychology. Well, well one second. I, I just have a prediction. Um, I think the Yellow Journalist tomorrow may do a story that um, RTF faked a guest named Alberto who <laughs> used... A coin, the 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 coined term etc cetera, etc cetera. so it was really the fake monk pretending to be alberto because you couldn't get anyone else to be on the show um okay. so i, I think I, that as, may be what's coming um, as, as right, long as as long as, as long as you say may you're good <laughs> or throw a question mark on it i'm a journalist and i know if you throw a question mark on something it's good i was going to ask you archer you know something about psychology human psychology Imagine like the the level of being a narcissist, you murder somebody, right? You murder multiple people, but then they talk badly about you online and you go to the judge and you complain about them talking badly about you online. Court TV has comment sections where a, a, a lot of insensitive and nasty things are said. The sheer insensitivity of, of some of the things that, that are that are said on there. You it, it's the height of narcissism, right? Of mass murderers or homo narcissists, same thing, right? Because you're murdering uh, nature when you're a homo narcissist. But the worst thing that you can imagine as a homo narcissist or as an actual narcissist is that people would talk badly about you online. That's that's so insensitive, right, Archer? Yeah, you know, when I did the um, Joran Vandersloot case, they accused me of being an Aruban spy, pretending to be an American uh, <laughs> online. So that was, of all the things I've been accused of, I, I think that may, you know, take the cake. Would that would that cause you to swerve your car and run over people? <laughs> no, no, nor would it, uh, you know, cause me to, to fake suicide to, you know. All right. We we have to get the show back. We have to get back on track. Guys, we okay. were talking about people posing as animals, and I was it was building up to this really funny video, and now I'm just gonna drop it on you. I'm sorry, here it is. Oh, wait, one second. Let's Next, talk about I have Ronnie Thurit. Thurit? Thurit? Sorry. That's me. Oh goodness. I'm Ronnie. How you guys doing? Hello, council. My name is Ronnie the Rat. I'm a trans species elementary school teacher here in Allen ISD. And I just want to try to bring more awareness for furries like myself. Now I have the most students in my class that have actually transitioned from a human being to a cat. Now I know I'm a rat, but that's more because I'm a Chuck E. Cheese, you know, freak. I love Chuck E. Cheese. 
Uh, I've spent a lot of time there, but that's why I like rats. But this is the problem, is we have a lot of trans inclusivity in other cities like Frisco. They're doing pride parades at a lot of churches. We're not doing any pride parades at churches here in Allen. And that's what we need. We need more kids on gender reassignment surgery or gender reassignment hormones. And the best way, I think, for me, that it's gotten the message out to the other students is doing it myself, leading by example. And that's what I'm trying to do here as a trans species, as Ronnie the rat. He's like, listen, there's a social stigma. Me trying to date other furries like this and Alan, there's not a community. There's not a bar that accepts me, accepts me, Chris. I can't just go to the bar like this. I get made fun of. And that's the same thing that's happened to my nine-year-olds, my 10-year-olds. If they feel more comfortable being a cat, I don't mind putting a litter box in the classroom that lets them defecate in there. That's what I think is important. And should I tell the parents? No, we shouldn't tell the parents. These kids can make decisions at 10 years old. Like, their parents shouldn't be involved. That's what makes me so mad is I get all these parents that are mad at me because I buy, oftentimes buy these costumes for these kids and the kids go home in the costume and the parents come back and they yell at scream at me and they say, we don't want you to sexualize our children. They call me the G word, G-R-O-O-M-E-R, which is basically like the n-word and it's just a terrible description of who i am i'm trying to help young kids be themselves if they want to be a cat if they want to defecate in the litter box i'm all for that i'm talking to the principal i'm trying to get the cafeteria tables on the ground so that the kids are able to eat more ergonomically on fours like an animal this is what we need to do we need alan to be more inclusive right now we're, we're suffering from a lot of bigotry and so i'm ronnie the rapping rat so i want to end on a little rap Yo, my name is Ronnie. I am a rat. If you talk crap, I'll get the gat. Get the booster. Test it on eight mice. I don't really care if you got lots of lice. I'm a pimp on a blimp. Teaching my kids their gender. We can cut it off, throw it in a blender. Gender reassignment surgery is the key. It will set you free. Get a mastectomy. I love when you cut it off. Then you can be the boss. I'm a teacher, not a preacher. God is fake. The earth evolved from pond scum. Two rocks smashed together. That's how we got here. Ronnie the rat, don't grab the gat. I don't really care if you sit in the front or the back. The indoctrination is super strong. You can come to class in your little thong. I don't care what you say. Gotta vaccinate the straight. Gotta vaccinate the gay. And that's what I'm sad. I'm sad that I was not one of the eight mice that... Dr. Anthony Fauci chose to test the booster on. So I have a lot of sorrow. I have a lot of things that I'm upset about. And I just want to bring awareness to Ronnie the Rap and Rat. You guys can do this. We can get more kids. The rundown is bringing awareness to Ronnie the Rap and Rat. <laughs> it's, 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 it's sick out there and it's getting sicker. And I was going to say to you, I'm one of the people. How did that not make the intro? <laughs> no, no. Who commit a mortal sin and send my kid to public school? You do. I thought you were going to say you use plastic straws, but okay. Well, that too. I actually, I think I had three plastic straws tonight. Um, so, God, imagine how many turtles I'm responsible for their demise. But I commit the mortal sin of sending my kid to, to public school. But I have a kid that's very well centered. And. You know, we get threats every once in a while, so I'm not going to say if it's a he or she. I'm going to I'm going to declare the the pronoun of they. So, mm -hmm. so they told me just this afternoon as we were discussing furries, we were talking about how ridiculous it is, and and they also know that there's no such thing as transgender. You could be a transvestite, right? You can change your clothes. You can't change your gender. 
you know, vestai from the vestare, right, to, to clothes and trans, right? That's easy. Sure, you can change your clothes. You, you can't change your gender. Um, but, but they said to me, nowhere on any job application does it say, what is your species? So how long, I think my kid may have predicted this, how long before the furries get included on job applications? And what is your Hold on, hold on. Are furries actually a thing? Like, I thought this was all a big joke. You're talking about furries? Oh, no, no, no. No, Furries are real. Yeah, in New York Times. They, and our school superintendent didn't entertain it. But a neighboring superintendent had a meeting with parents to put a litter box in the bathroom for their kids to use. I'm gonna send him to outer space to find another race. I don't even know what I don't even know what to do with that. Uh, the fact that furries are real it just makes me feel like I need to run for my little. Oh, man. Okay, furries are actually a thing. Uh, This is breaking news on the rundown. This is your favorite news program, actually, by the way, because we break real news uh, on this show, unlike, uh, you know, waiting 17 days for something that's stale, but we have really high production value. Uh, Don't you wish that we had more reporters in these United States like this? Vaccines, and I'm tired of people saying it wasn't on vaccines. You're talking about 1.9 trillion dollars COVID relief package spending that had nothing to do with COVID. You know that, Congresswoman. You're talking about 40-year high inflation right now. It's cutting into profits. It's cutting into people's lives. They can't even go paycheck to paycheck. 75% of the country says we're going in the wrong direction, which is a major problem for this economy. Well, first of all, you know, I go to the gas station and I go to the grocery store too, and we've got to do something. But I'm not going to apologize for trying to fix our roads because our infrastructure is the roads are not. Not being fixed. We the money is misallocated. The and then there's a wide open border. Colored fentanyl is being used to target children. What are you going to do about the fentanyl poisoning in this country? Now we have to worry about Halloween because of this wide open border. Have you spoken to Joe Biden about it? Yes, I've talked to the president about it because I am really worried. What is his answer? What is his answer for the 100,000 people who have been poisoned by fentanyl? What is his answer for the 3 million people who are in this country on his watch illegally? What did he say to you? Okay, Marie, can we go like calmly? I didn't talk to him about immigration directly. I'm so you haven't spoken fentanyl. to him about the boy. Fentanyl and, oh, fentanyl and drugs have been around a long time. My father. Fentanyl, was fentanyl trafficking has accelerated substantially on Joe Biden's watch. We know this, and you it's know this. It's happened for years and decades in this country, and we didn't talk That's about it. That's not true. And it happens every place. That's not we true. Why weren't we talking about fentanyl two years ago? How many people I, do you I, know I, that I have died of fentanyl poisoning? I know too many people and members of my own family. So do I. So, They're dropping fentanyl all over Texas through drones. What are you doing about it? I'm meeting with the ATF today to discuss it. It's, Is your statement that the fentanyl problem did not get worse under Joe Biden? I, 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 what, we're all trying to work on the border. No what, one's what working on the border from the Democrat what Party. I do not we see anyone working on the open border from the Democrat Party. You know, we got to remember we have human responsibilities, too, to help people. What Men about Americans away. who are seeing their jobs go away? What about, about Americans, Americans who are seeing their health care coverage go away because they need money for the migrants? What Maria, about the impact on Americans? What about Michiganians? Hey, Maria, I didn't come on to have a screening match. Under the Trump administration, the border was secure and apprehensions at the border were at a 40-year low. They are now at a 20-year high. Because of the open border, we are seeing drugs poison American citizens. You know this, and I know this. Will you please reach out to the president and ask him what his solution is to this wide open border and call us back? 
Ouch. That was a beatdown. Uh, I have to be honest, guys. I, I don't I really don't know what fentanyl is, but I had never heard the word two years ago. I think that part of the interview was very true. Uh, James, I, I, I don't I don't I guess it's a big deal. People are dying from it. It's coming in. It looks like candy. It's probably she probably makes a good point with, you know, Halloween, which I'm opposed to anyway. But uh, don't trick or treat, in my opinion. That would be my unpopper for next week. Preview, sneak preview. But uh, but James, like it won't be mine. <laughs> you, I don't know if you're going to become a regular or not, Archer. But James, <laughs> tell us. Tell, I mean, she makes a lot of good points. Why aren't more reporters asking these questions? Uh, that's a very good question. I mean, we've been dealing with fentanyl problem. I mean, I know uh, Maria there said uh, we weren't talking about this two years ago, but the honest question is, uh, I mean, the honest uh, statement is we have been talking about this for at least in my recollection for at least uh, four four years, maybe even five. Um, and it's it's a huge problem. It's a, it's a, it's a scandal. It's a shame. Uh, people are trying to, to to ignore it. I mean, it's it's like asking, why don't we talk about all the uh, – uh, uh, heroin and cocaine that was coming out of uh, uh, Mena, Arkansas. Nobody wants to talk about that because they, they knew exactly how it was getting, uh, it, you know, it, um, into Mena and and out of Mena. You know, it, it, you know the, uh, the, the the there was an infrastructure in place to create um, a, a uh, nationwide uh, problem. And I don't know exactly how this is happening here. She mentions drones. Um, I mean, come on, you know that how can how can you not? Uh, know exactly how this is coming in it's it's, it's a huge problem and uh pe and people are seeing a lot of people i mean yeah it, it, right it, still, is that you could die like from one dose of fentanyl. yeah but but you're right but here's the thing with with fentanyl uh right now they're lacing it with other things right and that's 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 more of what the egregious problem is is people mm -hmm. the kids take this uh fentanyl thinking it's pure Right. But then they end up realizing too late, you know, that it has been laced. And so this this is what's creating such a disproportionate, you know, uh, deaths and uh, 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 overdoses. It's, it's Matthew, it's Matthew Mock yeah. in the chat makes the, the point of the evening. The first time <laughs> I ever even heard the word fentanyl was at the martyrdom of St. George Floyd. That was the first time that I became aware that fentanyl was even a thing. Bill. I also first heard of fentanyl with uh, George Floyd. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know much about it, but uh, but there's always some uh, there's always some like drug crisis of current year. You know, in the 80s, it was cocaine and in the 90s. There's the crack epidemic. And and then uh, in the 2000s, people abusing Oxycontin and all this stuff. It's just one thing after another. I think you skipped the Tide Pod thing. You skipped over. Oh, that's pod. right. The, the Tide Pod. And we forgot about in the early 2000s, uh, butt chugging. Remember that when teens were were uh, ingesting alcohol through their sphincter? I forgot about that. But it's just, I don't know. Every decade, it seems there's a new new drug crisis. I'm not sure that it's objectively getting worse or that they just switch from from drug to drug like like fads. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know. 
There was a bath salt phase there too for a second. Oh, that's right. I keep forgetting about all these. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just you're just you just want to do it by decade, but really we've almost yeah, got to do it like by quarter decade. Yes, that's right. The bath salts. I forgot about that. <laughs> we, when I was uh, when I was mayor of the city of Howell, we had a big. This was like a 2013-ish. We had a big crackdown on bath salts. We uh we forbid them from being sold in all the gas stations, and they were, oh, people my. were getting fined. It was a big deal. Wow. So you're so you're a lo, you're a like low key tyrant. <laughs> well, <laughs> I didn't vote for it. I think it passed it against my vote. But <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't vote you couldn't veto it. Just crown yourself like Baron of whatever town that was. I, I would have if I could have. Ow. Ow. <laughs> Did you have a privy council? <laughs> oh man, they were a council, but they weren't privy. Guys, we <laughs> Mike, as a um, you know, a fake forensic scientist. Right. Did you bring your license with you, Archer, or did you just conveniently forget that? Right, right. You know, <laughs> clowns, absolute clowns. Um, so when I was in the medical examiner's office about an hour north of New York City in 2008 is when the opioid crisis really started to begin. And yeah. maybe five years ago, so well over a decade into that, fentanyl starts coming into play and now we really have it and it's you know 50 100 times more potent than than morphine and i think what james was saying earlier they'll take something and lace it with fentanyl so you think you're you know smoking weed or doing a dab and it's fentanyl laced and yeah and you overdose and die it's an opioid um okay Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, maybe when I'm on the stand, they want me to like draw out opioids, you know, and like, you know, do the biochemistry for them. Right? No, so. don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Uh, Not yet. We need to transition, ladies and gentlemen. We need to transition into the Fauci ouchie. It has it has become unmasked. The whole thing is coming undone. The story is 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 coming apart at the seams. The rundown was the absolute first, and I know this for a fact. The rundown was the absolute first to call out the hoax online. That's why the rundown exists, really. But for us to properly transition, we have to... Let's just have a little transition video. Is that a bunch of Jewish people sacrificing children to Moloch? That's weird. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch Prime Minister and Health Minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. 
Voor u, mevrouw Smal, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanisation before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. We hold on. We had to move at the speed of science. <laughs> at the speed of science, we had to move at the speed of science, ladies and gentlemen. Pfizer had to move at the speed of science, which means you put the injection into your body before the science informs you if there is a net benefit to you. I, here, here's here's the chief health officer of Florida. So yes. I ask people sometimes who are still you know hemming and hawing about this. If this if this vaccine, if it had been known two years ago or so that this vaccine would increase cardiac deaths in young men by 84 percent, would they have approved it? The obvious answer is no, you would never give something to someone who was young and healthy and increase their risk of dying from from sudden cardiac death by 84%. But people are often, their response is, well, you know, I don't know, COVID's pretty bad. Yes, COVID can be terrible, but we don't give people medications that kill them. I, hey, Mike, I, I have one thing to point out before we have a serious discussion about this. Is it is it is it is it is it uh, Tucker Carlson's incredible ability to do this face? No, <laughs> you're getting close. You're getting close. Um, maybe if we could go back to that Dutch minister. Um, have we seen that hairdo before? Oh yeah. I, I don't know if those are hair Ger plugs or, or I don't know what that is. <laughs> Philip, Philip knows. Philip was the first to get it. <laughs> is that the wait, hold on. No, there was a world leader that had that same hairdo too. Well, yeah, it was Gert. Uh, <laughs> he was a Norwegian, right? The Gert, what's his name? Uh, I'm thinking of someone more local. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Norway. Yeah. Man, local yeah. to you, and yeah. that's unfortunate. Uh, <laughs> Okay, guys, can we unpack this for a second? We have to move at the speed of sight. Now, let's not get a strike tonight. <laughs> Nobody say the V word. Nobody say anything about whether it works or not. Just, uh, just uh, admit the fact that Pfizer is admitting that they didn't even test as to whether or not it would stop transmission. And yet, we were told, ladies and gentlemen, here, here, look at this. Everyone needs to look at this. Quote, Receiving the COVID-19 vaccine ought to be understood as an act of charity towards the other members of our community. This asinine bull crap was uttered by none other than Archbishop Joseph Nauman, who is a fake pro-life Catholic. He's the chairman of the USCCB pro-life committee. He is a he is the supposedly the pro-life SAR in the United States, the chief. Bishop, the chief cleric charged with pro-life activity, says, take the aborted fetal cells 
as an act of charity towards the other members of our community. What he is parroting here in 2020 when he said these comments, this fake Catholic, this phony bishop, this piece of crap, garbage, nonsense that he is saying is that if you take the experimental injection into your body, it will protect other people, Brother Martin. How can he say that? He's way out over his skis. He has no ability to say that. He has no he has no scientific background. The church does not have the right to opine on things. <laughs> and we've lost I didn't life. do it. I didn't do it. What hey, happened so there? Well, I, I think uh, Nauman has some. some I got out over my skis on that one. I went so far over my skis that I left the show. I left the show in anger and protest, Brother Martin. Answer oh, I thought, the question, though. I, th I thought Nauman had some friends in high places that were watching the show. And so when you were going off, well, <laughs> he called in a few uh, favors. He called but, in uh, a <laughs> But no, uh, this is exactly what we were saying, exactly when he was saying it. It's like, Archbishop Nauman, you're not a scientist, you're not a physician. You have no background in this in any way whatsoever. Uh, you should not be telling us that it's a it's a it's a moral obligation to get this jab uh, because of these reasons. Zero whatsoever. We were questioning first the the uh, the ethical background of this jab, and that was our our first uh, at least my first um, coming out was saying, guys, we we can't do this for ethical reasons. Um, even if the, if if this uh, scamdemic is actually serious, um, we can't do it because um, how they created these things. We can't do it. But then uh, more and more, as more information got 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 out leak, leaked, we started to think about it. it. Was like, wait, hold on a second. This 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 really does seem like a scam. And I think um, we were we were the first on on both fronts. One on the ethical um, reasons, and then the second was was on the on the uh, so quote unquote conspiracy of it all. Well, that's because um, that's because human human beings generally and men especially have forgotten the principles, brother Martin. The principles, the first principles. One of those first principles is the principle of evidence. You cannot take something as true or false without any evidence, right? I and wouldn't know anything about that. You know nothing <laughs> about evidence, Archer. You just you, you you don't have you don't have a piece of paper that says you know something about anything. Right. So even if you've been featured on like Larry King and all the places that you've been, you're still a fraud because you're hanging with me. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and this again, like you, you, the principle of evidence is that you have to be, you have to demonstrate convincingly. And if any evidence presents itself to the contrary of the thesis, right? And then the thesis isn't right because if evidence shows up and it, and it contrasts what you're seeing, then, then what you're seeing, like your eyes aren't lying to you. Right. And so this is, this all goes back to philosophy. It all goes back to, uh, you know, James, I want to kick it over to you. This all goes back to the denial of the first principles, not only of evidence, but also of, of, of non-contradiction. Uh, a thing cannot be and not be at the same time. And so what they tell you is that, well, it's spreading regardless of if you have the experimental serum or not, but you're, but, but, but don't, don't believe that because you're better protected if you have it. And even though we see higher rates of hospitalization, we see higher acute cases for those who have taken the experimental serum. And now we have sudden adult death syndrome. 
we're getting a strike tonight, gentlemen. We're getting a strike off of YouTube because we're asking questions just like Alex Jones asked questions about why Robbie Parker was laughing his butt off right before he faked it on, on camera. You know, Mike, I hate to break this to you, and I hate to be the one to do this to you live on the radio, uh, on the uh, on the podcast, rather, but you are dead wrong. I mean, Archbishop Nauman is absolutely right. Uh, it was an act of charity. It was an act of charity on the part of us acting charitably toward Pfizer and Moderna. Because without us oh, taking the poke, I see what yeah, you did there. Without, without us taking a poke, Mike, they would have gone out of business. I mean, I mean, how could you be so heartless? Wow. Think of all those wow. jobs that would have been lost otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Think yeah. of the economy, guys. <laughs> yep. Think of the economy yep. first. Yep. Before we do anything, think about the jobs that are going to be created or lost. Economic activity is the only standard of morality in these United States, right, James? But not but not for us little people, for those in high places. Absolutely right. We got to keep the system moving so that they stay in their secure offices and they can drive their, their 80 miles an hour on the Autobahn and just be free as birds while we are caged, uh, you know, in the uh, in, in the dungeons with uh, masks on our faces and are fed through slots in our doors. You know, I mean, well, here's, what, here's what, what here's yeah. what some tropical birds possibly <laughs> sharing a likeness to me think about <laughs> being caged. <laughs> I love that one. That's one of my favorites. Anyway, uh, let me get it over to Alberto. We haven't even heard. I don't even know if you're a real person. As Archer said, we have never <laughs> right. seen Spare Alberto fake monk and fake Spare brother fake Martin is going to appear. We've never seen him right. in the same place at the same time. I'm right. very good at making different voices. Yeah. <laughs> et cetera, et yeah, cetera. What what this churchman did was use a liberal liberal principles to convince us of a certain of a certain thing and then gaslight us into saying you're being disobedient. Because what they did is that we know traditionally that quote unquote science falls under the realm of the church. Uh and you know historically it was always understood that way. So now that this uh, churchman or apparent churchman were saying oh, well, we actually don't have any say over this, uh, quote-unquote, scientific matters. So, therefore, the science is saying that, so we have to move at the speed of science. So you just have to go ahead and take it, because we that's not under a realm anymore after Vatican II, uh, whereas before the church would have said, well, we, we cannot make these statements until this is thoroughly researched and thoroughly understood to be to be to to see if it is what it claims to be. Uh, but th so they were using a liberal principle and then they were calling us liberals for disagreeing with those principles and saying that doesn't make any sense. I'm just enjoying the con the comments. We need a revolution and we need it now, not later, not later, not later. Now, now y'all are the best audience, the best live audience on the <laughs> interwebs. This is so cool. I'm so glad to be back with you guys. This is the best. Um, Hey, what was that whole thing with the Jews sacrificing children in Moloch? That was weird. For more on the situation with the Vice President, we go to senior White House correspondent, Samantha B. Sam, uh, uh, Yes, uh, John, I just came from a one-on-one -on -one interview with Vice President Biden. I, uh, I, I was, I thought you might have. Yeah. Yeah, he swears he's seen the error of his ways. And for her part, this reporter believes him. Sam, I'm just a uh, uh, curiosity. Mm -hmm. What was Biden doing while you spoke with him, Benny? 
Ah, well, he had just finished writing I Will Not Grope Women a hundred times on a chalkboard, and then he was eating strawberry preserves without any utensils. So. <sighs> so he's keeping busy with his oh, pants. Oh, yes, a whirlwind yeah. of activity, John. Yeah. And then as he began to change the oil on his motorcycle while also enjoying some Cheetos, you know, I turned to leave, you know, and say goodbye. But Biden turned to me and he said, come back, come back so I can shake your hand. And I did, John, the vice president shook my hand. Can you sure. believe it? <sighs> well, I... Great interview, Sam. Thank uh... you. This is how they used to speak of Joe Biden. These these types of videos have been scrubbed from the Internet. Uh, now we're supposed to believe that he's not a uh, weird pedo type guy, uh, as reported in his daughter's diary, where she talks, Phil, about like her father showering with him. Like, I, that's, that's weird, right? Is that not weird? Oh, that's definitely weird. Uh, th that's entirely weird. But you're right. Uh, there's there's kind of a revisionism going on about him. If you remember back to the Obama administration, even the liberal press, they they kind of portrayed him as uh, like Obama was like the the slick, intelligent, well-spoken guy. And it was kind of like a comedy team where Biden was like the, the bumbling uh, buffoon sidekick. And they really they really played that up like the whole the whole trope of like goofy Uncle Joe that came from the liberal media. Um, so it's just really interesting to see that now that he's uh, in the old office, they kind of just scrub that. And now he's supposed to be now that he's like 12 years older, he, he's supposed to be like entirely competent and powerful and on top of the situation. Well, and, some people uh, just take longer to grow up. It may, it may take till your 80s. Right, Archer? Like, I heard <laughs> I heard the male, yeah, the male brain yeah. doesn't mature until you're 80. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, where's the cat? And then we're going to do the segment you had me come out for. Oh, yeah, that. All right, let's have a serious no, conversation. No, I, I wanted the other cat. I, that's, all, that's all the cat I have, dude. I wanted the screaming cat. Oh well, you well you were forty. You were fashionably late. <laughs> I almost hit a bear getting to you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we can do it one more time. Come on, we can do it. Were one you driving? Were you driving? Well, oh, maybe I can't. Well, I know I don't have it pulled up, brother. Don't put me out of the spot. I don't have it, brother. One the, more the, time. The fake, <laughs> right? The fake reporter. You know, I bet brother could uh, do a prayer without much notice. You know, I bet he. Oh, could. <laughs> yeah. oh man! <laughs> Shots fired. All right, so um, this segment is. Hold on. He's thinking the intro best forwarding. <laughs> Get and you're on. My family is one of the families that lost a child yesterday in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shootings here in Connecticut.
That screaming cowboy was in more pain than Robbie Parker. Christ the fact. I don't care oh, what y'all say. <laughs> All right. So oh, was it July or August that we did the interview about Father Jackson? I think it was July because I was definitely taking my boys to, to a camp up in Wisconsin. Okay. And um, if you remember, and this is not to, to put you on the spot and criticize you, but we had information about what was happening in Kansas as it was happening. And we were talking about it and yeah. you're like, let's, let's go on. And I said, no, 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 let's, let's wait. Fools rush in where the angels fear to tread. Let's just wait a little bit and make sure that everything we say, we've confirmed six ways from Sunday. And of course, you know, if you're a yellow journalist and someone says something, you just want to criticize them, right? Um, and 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 downplay it that oh, we really didn't have any inside information. We didn't we didn't talk to anybody. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. Well, right. sadly, and I say this truly, sadly, everything that we reported a few days late back in July before anyone else did was spot on 100 percent true we knew well, the name true. of i i know it's true it's true and um, we were that we were the first to do it and it was a bold decision and we came out on youtube and we and we made the tough decision to report just the facts of what was publicly known at the time and we were the first ones to do it and there was no opinionating there was no opining there was no moralizing or wagging of fingers self-aggrandizement or virtue signaling it was literally just here's what happened here's the update right observe and report and and we had a lot more than we we could have reported that day we knew the name of the detective it's detective moore in kansas and and we had a discussion do we identify the detective so they know we know and we decided to take the high road because maybe Detective Moore has an undercover role. So we didn't identify him. We didn't, when I said to you, the cops didn't go in there blindly. They knew exactly who they were looking for, right? We learned this week or last week, you weren't around, you were traveling home, so we couldn't get on. But we learned from the affidavit of the federal probation officer that what he was doing there, he was doing in May and June. And they were on to him. So when they knocked on his door, he was, from the federal affidavit, the primary target. We knew this. We reported this. We were criticized for it. We were called, you know, fakes, frauds, you know, clowns. We don't know anything. Um we had all this information. And, you know, last week, Father Jackson at his 
bail revocation hearing, his pretrial release hearing, basically admitted, without admitting the charges, he admitted that they have enough to prove that I violated my bail. So that's why he's being held. So whether he he did, in fact, or didn't, um, he's admitted that the government has enough to um, raise the bar, right, and pull him back in. He's admi- and- he admitted. Uh, let me ask. Let me ask specifically what he admitted. He admitted that the government had probable cause. Like he agreed with the with the notion that the government had probable cause that he had violated some unspecified terms of his bail. Is that well, no, no, no. I think look, he did not admit to any crime. Correct. I think he clearly That's weird admitted. because all the headlines say that he admitted to a crime, right? That's what all the headlines say, the clickbait. Yes. Um and <laughs> We're not about clickbait. And I think we proved that back in, in July before anyone else had this. Um, but what he, he admitted that they have enough to pull me back in and it's not worth fighting. He didn't admit that in Kansas he committed these crimes. Now, back in July, I told you that the detective and um, the bosses – and the, the agents that I spoke to told me that charges in Kansas are forthcoming. And if you read the affidavit of the probation officer, um, the probation officer says, as soon as the reports are back in Kansas, he's going to be charged there, according to this detective Moore. So another sad point that we were right about and and certainly not one that is uh, worthy of celebrating but you know that's a sad reality Um, well but we should note as well that he hasn't been charged in kansas yet right so there have been no charges and it's been since july it's now almost november how long is it going to take him archer okay so uh, yes and and it's not all doom and gloom you know Uh, (laughs) These these things take time, as we know. What is very important, and I haven't spoken to Calcagni since the incident in July, since father's rearrest or, or taken back into custody. But I did read Calcagni's motion to suppress the evidence in Rhode Island. And right, wrong, or indifferent, Right. Whether he's guilty or not guilty, that's not what we're going to talk about. Um, Some people may I think some people have already convicted him. Right. But but that motion by Calcagni is absolutely brilliant for a quarter century. I've had a front row seat to some of the best criminal defense attorneys in New York City, you know, and, and we'll say that we're the center of the universe and we do it better than anybody. Calcagni's motion is spot on. And and I'm going to tell you where it wins and where it loses. Um, It's a Fourth Amendment issue. More than one person had access to the church office, to the rectory, to the church, to the parish house, to, to the building, to the complex. We know that. Okay? That's right. Where the state 
And remember, Rhode Island has dismissed their charges. So this is all based upon the affidavit of um, a corporal detective in Rhode Island who um, said that these things happened outside of regular church business hours. Um, and, and again, this is not for children, right? Some of the searches. Horrible things, right, that are on these devices. And, and they nailed down the times. What they didn't do and what I would have done if I were on, on that side of the fence the church presumably has surveillance cameras. Every building around them, half of them have ring cameras, right? In the Northeast. I don't know about the rest of the country, but here, this is very popular. Everywhere you look, there's a surveillance camera. You nail him down to being the only person in that building. And you put that in your affidavit for a search warrant. Not just this vanilla, he had mm. access to it, therefore that's what we're going for. And, and it's going to take a very brave federal judge. And Calcagni nailed it. I mean, he did a great job in his motion. Um, it's a motion that should be in a law school textbook. He killed it with his argument as to why that search warrant and the fruits of it, the fruits of the poison tree, right, should fail. Um, but if, if that doesn't happen... We're going to see a global settlement. Um, that's that's my prediction, and it's not my unpop. My unpop is different. But now we'll we'll get to the unpop. But but uh, help the audience, help us all understand Archer and 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 the panel here too, which you'll have a, a, a opportunity to react if you'd like to. Uh, the motion to suppress is essentially defense attorney John Calcagni telling the court that the hard drive is not unique to James Jackson. So we, you can't prove necessarily that it's Jim Jackson's hard drive. You can't even barely prove that he logged into it. There's nothing in any of the affidavits or any of the publicly available information that he logged in, that he accessed the files, that he bought the hard drive, that it was his property. It wasn't. Absolutely. So, and that's why I said the deficiency of the government is um, – if they decided to pick those specific events, you know, 3.58 on a Sunday, what they should have done is isolated that building to say at 3.58 on Sunday, October, whatever, yeah. the only person in that building and the associated complex was Father Jackson. And we've proven this right. by review of the video cameras from their own system, from the neighboring ring systems, from you know, his cell phone data, they could have brought him there. They could have done a much better job than they did. Now they could have for his and Calcogni is likely aware, in fact I know he's aware, that at least on one of those occasions, Jim Jackson was sitting in the confessional. Correct. So either he's like, you know, he might very well be remotely controlling this hard drive from his flip phone. It's possible, I guess, right? But to your point, the government has not proven their case. Now, you having said all that, you still believe the very likely outcome is, is that he takes a plea or he is found guilty. 
Tell us why. Is well, that, is, does that have something to do with Kansas? Yes. Um, so, look, as I said, it's going to take – Cagney did a Perry Mason job. It's, you know, F, F. Lee Bailey work. It's, it's, it's great work. It's going to take a very, very brave federal judge to suppress this evidence. Um, I don't know that it's going to happen. She's going to give any benefit of the doubt to the government. Uh huh. If that happens, the next call is going to be, all right, you lost your suppression motion. Then there's going to be a call from the local cops in Kansas and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Kansas, and they keep piling it on. And it's all going to come down to, you know, how do you, how does this become a bump in your life or a roadblock? And he's going to take a plea and it's going to be a substantial time. It's not going to be two years in camp. Um, I predict it's going to be a, a global settlement with a, a, a really long, um, a, a long time. And that's my prediction. Uh, that's your prediction. Uh, and obviously not your wish. Now, uh, certainly not my wish. None of the never, you know, it's certainly not my wish. Let me ask you one more question. Let me ask you one more question, Archer, and then I'll take it to the panel. The question is, we did a show in July when he was arrested in Kansas. It took until when? A week ago, two weeks ago for him to actually arrive in Providence. What has his life been like between arrest in July to arriving in Providence several months later in October? They're bouncing him around in the back of trucks. They're moving him from place to place. He's in solitary confinement. Can't even have a rosary. Certainly can't say mass. I mean, his life's pretty, pretty messed up right now, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we had this, we had this discussion um, and we've been watching, you know, everyone thinks we're asleep at the wheel and we haven't paid attention to this. Right? Um, we've been watching this, this case on a daily basis. His life was horrible from the time they grabbed him. Um, I have I, I'm on the Criminal Justice Act panel, so I have some inside knowledge. I'm not going to um, tell the government secrets just because I think it may hurt some of the people that I'm trying to help. Um, but you know whether it's Con Air or the bus, is he you know cuffed from behind and locked into a seat and sits on a bus for three days and um, yeah, it's horrible. I mean, he hasn't had an easy time since July. Uh, I can assure you of that. People would be outraged. Um, And I would describe it as torture. Well, yeah. You know, I have a friend of mine who's a former CIA agent who's, you know, the whistleblower on torture and it may very well be it's certainly a torturous experience. It's and a to torturous be clear, experience to be clear, for Archer, a man me, of faith. Let me sneak in one yes. thing, and, let me, and then you finish your thought. To be clear, if he's guilty, torture him to death. Right? That, that's my that's my case. But until look, he look, is proven guilty he, beyond a reasonable doubt, he is presumed in this country to be innocent. He has the absolute right to defend himself. He has the right to presumption of innocence. He has the right to an attorney. And he has the right to his good name until and unless he is proven guilty beyond the, sh- the reasonable shadow of doubt, right? Is that, am I crazy? 
No, absolutely not. And and I agree with you. Look, we have a, a children, a child or children, the age of these these victims in these pictures and movies. And God help the person that did something like that for one of our kids because it wouldn't be tortured. There would be no police report. You know, they, I, I'd kill them. You know, uh, th- there would be, you know, no doubt in my mind if someone harmed my kid or, or the kid of somebody close to me, you know, what I would do to that person. Um, but as much as I hate the act, I love the Constitution. And the Constitution promises the presumption of innocence. It pres- promises the right to have a trial before a jury of one's peers. It promises the right to call witnesses on your behalf and to cross-examine the witnesses called on behalf of the government. And there's a lot of things that go along with that. And so as horrific as the allegations are, as, um, you know, visceral reaction, right, that a father wants to have in a situation like this, you got to sit back and say, what does the Constitution guarantee? And so many of us, us you as, you know, a, a Marine, um, has have taken an oath. I've taken oaths. So many of us have taken oaths. And every part of that oath, whether it's, the local dog catcher or the president of the United States says, you know, support and defend the constitution of the United States, right. Against enemies, foreign and domestic. So that's where I'm coming from. Whether he did it or didn't do it really doesn't mean much to me. Uh, You know, my job as we agreed to very early on was simply to observe and report. Um, And, so you're we, saying you didn't have an agenda, you didn't have a preconceived notion, and you're not doing jumping jacks every time something goes your way. Absolutely not, you know. And um, that's weird. Well, you know, it's quite, almost quite, like you're I, an actual news person, right? Well, and and you know, I mean, look, I mean, it's pretty clear to anyone with half a brain that the opposing news entity thought you were going to whitewash this and do a pro father jackson story no matter what the last thing that they thought was you were going to do a fair story no matter what and then all of a sudden you became you know their public enemy number one well we've had the scoop before anybody and we continue to have the scoop and we continue to have the scoop and i want to open it up to the panel because panel we live in a post-constitutional republic we live in a nation in which it is legal perfectly legal supposedly and normal uh, for uh, for the accused to be tortured, literally tortured. And for those who may not know this, uh, and I apologize for dropping it on the rundown on a random Friday night, if you hadn't heard this, <coughs> Father Jim Jackson's been tortured, tortured for months, and he's not been proven to be guilty. So this is something that I think folks need to be aware of. We can't have it both ways. We can't talk about, you know, the pro-life warrior who gets targeted by the FBI, federal cops, and how how bad federal cops are and how often they get it wrong and how the Department of Justice is anti-Catholic. But then also on the same side of our mouth say, 
well, this guy's definitely guilty. And the Department of Justice got it right. The federal cops never get it wrong. And they have a 99% conviction rate. Yeah, they have a high conviction rate. Imagine that. They <laughs> they have all the power. James, first up, if you have a comment. Sure. Thank you for joining us, uh, Michael. I have a question. I, I'm curious. Perhaps you can shed some light on this. Uh, it, Jackson's defense team going back uh, in October of last year, I believe, filed a motion to suppress uh, evidence found in the October search of the property in uh, on Rhode Island on the grounds that the search uh, was unconstitutional. And so, you know, uh, I mean, guilty or, or innocent, what, in your opinion, why would a defendant in such a case such as this uh, choose to fight to suppress evidence found based solely on unconstitutionality, in your opinion? Yeah, so, well, it's not my opinion, James. It's, it's please God, my reality and our reality. Right. You know, the Constitution protects all of us, even non-practicing attorneys who want to criticize someone for um, pleading not guilty and not saying I, I'm innocent. You know, you know, how absurd, how stupid, right? The... So the the motion you're talking about is the one we mentioned earlier, and it attacks the government's case on a Fourth Amendment issue. And they didn't particularize it down to him. They didn't get it close enough. Um, yeah. I don't know how old you are, James. I'm 10 years older than Mike. I'm, I'm probably 15 or 20 years older than the, the fake monk. Um, and I had a front row seat. We were roughly the same age. Yeah. Okay. So I had a front row seat to the tail end of the mob in New York City. And I remember reading in the New York Post about a search warrant going after Gotti and his crew. And it was in a building in, in New York City in Little Italy. And they picked the wrong apartment, right? So it said, whatever, 314 Mott Street, apartment three. And that's where they could go search, right? When in fact, it was apartment five. Well, guess what? <laughs> that search warrant was no good because it wasn't tight enough. You know, we live in a country where the government doesn't burst into your home. They don't burst into your business. They don't search your car unless they have really good cause. And what's articulated in that affidavit, if I were on the Jackson defense team, you know, I, I would tear this guy apart. I mean, it, it's the, the Rhode Island case is absolutely in jeopardy. Yes. It may survive because I don't know that the federal judge, quite frankly, has the balls to dismiss it. Um, but Cagney did a bang-up job. And the, the Rhode Island case for the government's in jeopardy. Um, what happens in Kansas, you know, we'll see. Um, sure. And, and the reason I, I pose that question the way I did is because a lot of people are not f familiar with the, the law or the way uh, the law works in things like this would, would say quite, you know, innocently, even though without knowledge of how this works, well, you know, I mean, if anyone's innocent of any crime they haven't committed, why do they have to hide anything? Why do they have to push back against 
uh, an authority that is, is there to to basically rule out that that they've committed a crime. But that's not the way the Constitution works. Uh, right, James. I think, you know, it was Ronald Reagan that said the most dangerous words you can hear is, you know, I'm here from the government and here to help you. Right. You have the right to remain silent. You should use it, <laughs> whether you're guilty or not guilty. You know, you should use it. You should um, you should celebrate your rights. American soldiers and airmen and Marines die every day for the, that Bill of Rights and the, the accompanying amendments and our, you know, our ability to, to be Americans. We're, we're really the only country in the world that has the protections that are so broad. Um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with asserting your rights. That's what smart people do. Well, it's so it's sort of like it's sort of like attacking people who uh, have legitimate legal tax write-offs, for example, right? You know, you, you you're like, oh, well, these people are tax uh, avoiders and they're criminals and they're mean people and they're and and wham wham boo boo. Well, the laws are written the way they are, and you take advantage of the system, uh, you know, to the extent that it is legal. I mean. Which is which is um, funny because you know the, the politicians themselves are the ones who write the laws, so they know those loopholes are in there because they want to take advantage of them. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, Nancy Pelosi is making trades, uh, you know, in advance of uh, of legislation passing, and her husband's doing the same thing. Uh, well, when he's not drunk driving, that is. Uh, uh, Phil, brother Alberto, I want to get you in on the conversation too. Generally speaking, about the banana republic that we live in, Phil. Uh, or more specifically to what you've heard about the Father Jackson case, I tend to agree, and Archer and I are not exactly on the same page, and that's okay, because yeah. Archer is conducting an independent review uh, on behalf. Unless, unless, of course, you ask uh, the yellow journalist, then then we're aligned, almost like we have the same birthday. My, my advice would be to avoid <laughs> yellow journalists at all costs. Don't even answer their yellow emails. Right. Phil... Uh, when, when you look at it, you know, you look at the, at, at what's happening. My opinion is that from what I have seen, what is publicly available to the broad audience, Archer's right in Rhode Island. Nobody has linked anything to one specific human being, let alone to Jim Jackson. And the government, in my opinion, has an obligation to do that in order to achieve a guilty verdict. I would say so too. I mean, uh, I would say they have to link him personally to it, that it was him actually uh, actually doing this. It's not enough to just say he had, uh, he had access to it. But I have to say as a disclaimer, I know almost nothing about this case. I don't follow these stories. Uh, these sorts of stories don't really interest me. And I, I know, I mean, tonight is the most I've heard about this uh, this case. So may I pick the wrong night to fill in for, for Ryan. But in general, I do want to say, you know, I've been around a long time in the Catholic world and hear a lot of these stories. And a lot of people have kind of like a uh, almost a vested interest in either piling on the accused priest or, or defending him, especially if he happens to be a priest who agrees with a lot of things that we believe in. I've never felt any such compulsion to either jump to the defense of these priests or to certainly not to pile on and, and accuse them. Uh, I almost try to maintain a sort of um, rational indifference to, uh, to what happens. 
Um, now it's getting harder to do that because, of course, the you know it's easier to, to feel that way and say, let justice be done when you have confidence that the system is actually just. But we're seeing more and more evidence that it's being uh, that it's being weaponized. So it becomes very difficult to maintain that uh, that sort of position. But I always try to keep in mind that I never I never know. I never have all the facts. Um, and I just try to kind of stay aloof from uh, passing judgment in these cases. Um, but uh, but obviously, you know, I pray for him no matter what. If he's if he's guilty, then pray that justice be done and and uh, uh, and pray for his repentance. And if he's he's innocent, then uh, obviously I pray for him to be completely vindicated as uh, as Cardinal Pell was. So I guess that's all I have to say on the matter is that I try not to get too invested in proving a point. That's a good comment, Phil. Brother Martin, we, we Mike, do let me just both. interrupt and um, piggyback on that, Phil. You especially pray for him if he's guilty, right? You especially pray for him if he's guilty. And, and if he's not guilty, that that's the easy road out. That's the easy way out. If he's guilty, he needs you know more prayers than everyone's giving him right now. So I sure. I, I absolutely agree with with everything you had to say there. Well, and, and if he's guilty, it's a matter of justice that he be punished severely by the state. Uh, so that I'd rather take punishment in this life than in the next. But brother Martin, we live in a post-Pell world, and in a post-Pell world, in a post-McCarrick world, in a post-Comey world, in a post—you uh, know—FBI randomly raiding peaceful pro-lifers world, in a post-Build Back Biden world, it's really hard to tell what the hell's going on. And even if you achieve an innocence uh, or a guilt, right, uh, whatever outcome is achieved, it's hard to tell what is up and what is down. It's almost like you need a second pair of eyes on the whole process. It's even harder in this case because I've had, of course, several uh, uh, news outlets report things about the Obeys of St. Augustine and, and myself, um, primarily because of the yellow journalists. Other new news organizations came out and uh, asked me certain questions, had a phone call. I insisted on having everything in writing first, but like, oh, we wouldn't meet our deadline if we had everything in writing and just email, even though I told them that I'd be at my computer waiting, you know, to respond to their emails as soon as they dropped. Okay, so we have a phone call, have this heart to heart with them, tell them, be as, you know, as, as transparent to them as, as, as I possibly could. And then afterwards, you see the full report and, and, and the way they portrayed the situation, and you're like, how do they possibly get that from what I said? You know, how did, how did they, how did they leave out the parts that, you know, vindicated us and instead opt for just some obscure sentence that I said that wasn't, that I didn't even think when I said it was, was vital to the whole, whole situation. It was, it was uh, to prepare for something else more important that I was trying to portray. Um, so even when news articles come out, I'm, I'm completely, totally skeptical because it's, it's portrayed the way that, the person writing the article wants to portray it. There's always 100% a bias. And, and having been interviewed by a, a few of these uh, organizations, I now know that every single article I read about Catholic news is 100% biased. 100%. There's there's very few people out there that are that are simply reporting just the facts. Just the facts. Here's what happened on this date and this time. Period. When there's a, a news organization organization out there that is criticizing you, attacking you, maybe even suing you because you don't draw the same conclusion that they draw. I mean, back in the day, I mean, the fifties, you hear older, you know, older people talking about this, like the news presented us the facts 
and we drew the conclusions. But now there's certain media news outlets that if you don't agree with their conclusion, then you're a you're a Nazi, homo, pedo enabler, whatever else, you know. And so that's the thing is, is whenever there's a news outlet that that um, disagrees with your conclusion and is attacking you and accusing you and suing you because you don't draw the same conclusions as they do, um, are they really news? But in that light, I want to ask uh, uh, Michael Archer two two particular questions. One of them is is in regard to the um, well, the, the the I guess the bond or whatever that allowed Father Jackson to be to be out, um, and what he had to violate in order to to be rearrested because certain news outlets are listing everything um, that was possible for him to to get uh, rearrested. But in conclusion, they always say before the last term and rather than or um, as as if um, he had to violate absolutely everything, including including recommitting the same crime in order to be rearrested. And then him admitting probable cause altogether means that he's admitting probable cause to seeing this uh, incredibly vile content Um, or whether it's just one of those things as in like there being an extra device somewhere in the house and they track the IP address or something like that. So just one thing or all of it. So um, brother, I spoke to the detectives who were um, watching him in Kansas city for months. And we now know that. And when we first, and I want to remind everyone this, when Mike and I first reported, this we were laughed at we were criticized it was it was fake news right we i i said when they knocked on his door they knew exactly who he was they had been watching him he was now we now know the primary target okay so as for that list in the documents and and I also want to wind it back to what you began with and not believing what you read in the news. Our sources aren't these stories because we broke it. You know, we were we were at the forefront of of all of this. Right. So we have the primary sources. We have the investigative documents. We have um, we haven't just relied upon what a journalist told us to to think and believe. Um so as far as the probable cause for the bail revocation, they give a list, and it's it's a horrific list, and it's um, I don't even want to you know discuss the terms that were involved um, in that, but I think we're reading too much into the the um, plus or veil, right? The end or or. Um, we we have to look at it as the third or fourth grader reading the newspaper, the seventh grade, you know, literate person, not uh, not someone with uh, seminary training. Which, by the way, I'm a graduate of the seminary that the yellow journalist's boss went to. I don't know if uh, you people know that. Have you contracted wow. any uh, diseases, venereal or otherwise, uh, as a result <laughs> of being in that? 
in that context. Brother, did you have a second question or I'll kick it over to Alberto? Well, well I think I deserve to say no. <laughs> there, may, there may be some uh, hot trad women out there, ladies out there, you know. So I think uh, I, so I think in my own defense, the answer to that is absolutely not. Uh, well, I don't I don't know if this is necessarily a question, but it's just something that I just wanted to point out because it kind of supported what Mike was saying earlier on. Um, but that in regarding to capital punishment and the death penalty and how much Pope Francis himself is pushing the the abolition of the death penalty, it doesn't need to exist, all that kind of stuff. Is that one of the arguments for this is that is the possibility of a, of a fallacious judgment by the judge saying, oh, the judge and the jury, they can get all the evidence wrong, all the facts wrong, and you could actually be condemning someone innocent to death, to death, someone innocent to death. But here we are, and here's some news organizations are already convicting somebody, even pre-trial. Um, and they're they're the the way they operate is 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 skewing <laughs> is 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 you know. Um, not reporting the whole truth is it, it, kind of half truths or, or, or spinning the story just to say what they want um, and already coming up with a conviction. Um, and so me, it just kind of, uh, well, it turns your stomach, but at the same time, I mean, you look at the cross and you say, it is what it is, you know, the Holy cross um, that there are people out there that will, will go out and say, Oh no, you have to obey the Pope in absolutely all things. Even when he says the death penalty is inadmissible. Why? One of the reasons is a fallacious judgment from, from a jury, from a judge, and at the same time, we have to completely and totally um, accept uh, Father James Jackson as one hundred percent guilty, even like months, uh, you know, almost a year um, before he's even even judged for these things, where, where the evidence is presented before a jury and a judge. It, it seems completely unreal and, and extremely hypocritical that anybody is required to make a judgment. Um, as, as Philip was saying earlier, it's like, well, you just kind of let the facts, you, you just kind of have to let this, um, take its own course and, and go hope that there's somebody like, like, uh, Mike and Mike out there just wanting to report the facts, just wanting, wanting to find the facts as a facts and report the facts out there and just leave it at that. Um, without opining or anything else. This goes um, back to so something we said right before, and, and uh, excuse me, Mike brother, as I said, Fools rush in where the angels fear to tread, right? Well, and, and I, and I, want to, of us. I want to summarize what he said to you in something that was said right before you dialed in, which is, and it, it relates to COVID. It's the principle of evidence. It's one of the first principles. Okay. What yeah, do I know anything about that? Right. If, if you're presented with a piece of evidence that doesn't support your worldview, then your worldview is wrong. That's what a principled man or woman says. You know, for example, when they tell us this uh, this experimental serum is going to protect us, and then we start to see over the months and years that it doesn't, then the principle of evidence compels us to disbelieve even what they're telling us on on television. And and I think that that's what Brother Martin is is saying is that we haven't we haven't actually been convinced of anything yet based on what has come out. And this is Phil's point too. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon one way or the other. Archer, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. And I'm certainly not saying he's guilty of anything. I believe in the Constitution. Um, everyone else out there, you know, Mike. The criticism that's come our way 
is because they never thought we were going to be fair and impartial. They mm. never thought we were going to tell the whole story. We were going to sit back, observe, report, and whatever it is, it is. They had an agenda. And it it's really going to be shocking to them when our story may fall in line with their agenda, right? That's what they didn't want um, because they didn't expect. Not that they didn't want. They didn't expect. Um, so I'm not saying he's guilty. And as far as Rhode Island, that evidence should go. You read Calcagney's papers. Yeah. Those are damn good pleadings. And, and if the evidence is gone, right, the evidence that we were – you know, we had no clue about. We didn't, couldn't touch. We didn't know anything about. We didn't, we didn't this. We didn't that. If that evidence is gone, right? There's you no don't case. have a statement. You don't have a confession. When the when the police knocked on his door in Rhode Island, Father Johnson said, "I want a lawyer." And and remember, um, and we we took criticism for this. The cops in Kansas City said. When we knocked on his door, he was rude, he was obnoxious, he was arrogant, he was haughty, right? All these things that the people who know him would never view him in any of those uh, lights, right? They would never describe him that way. That's what the cops told us. And when we reported that, you know, oh, the criticism we took, right? Father Jackson's not arrogant. He's never arrogant. We got phone calls. We got emails. Why would you say father's arrogant? Father's so humble. Well, this is what the cops told us. I'm not saying he was or he wasn't. I'm just saying the cops said he was arrogant. He was obnoxious. He was rude. And then the federal probation officer in the unsealed affidavit this week, two or three months after we had this information, right? Two or three months later, they say exactly what we we said back then. So... You know, if they want to keep questioning our sources and and what we did, right? I, I mean, I think we've been pretty spot on so far. Um, and I, I want to I want to throw it over to Alberto as well. Alberto, you followed the case as as closely as anyone in the general public. Uh, you're you're staying off camera for various reasons, including the fact that you're the person who caught uh, a man whose business it is to tell the truth. Uh, it lying on 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 tape. So um, I guess I just want to I want to see if you have questions or comments for Michael Archer, who joins the rundown to give us an update on the Father James Jackson case. The questions have been great, and and really I just want to thank everybody that donated to the fundraiser because the fact that we can sit here on the rundown and uh, learn a lot of new information just goes to show that the people that donated to the fundraiser really are contributing to helping us find the truth because there's some media organizations out there that outright want to send the and they they have called for the fbi to go into all the chanceries and get and get all you know all of this stuff but at the end of the day on when it comes to cases like the father jackson case or cases where we see the government going against Catholic, whether guilty or not. The government has unlimited resources because if they run out of money, they just borrow more money indefinitely. But that's not something that any any private person 
has the chance to do. So the government goes against people that have limited resources. And we're talking about a government with unlimited resources. Uh, we saw the IRS, they hired how, how many thousands uh, more agents. Uh, same thing with all the different law enforcement agencies. So they do, sometimes do good work, of course, that is vital to simply our, our civilization. But we have, as Brother Martin was saying, there's always cases. And that, this is exactly what they always say. Well, what about life in prison is bad because what if they're, they're innocent? And we see people that are condemned to life in prison, even or capital punishment, that are innocent. So I want to thank everybody that gave to the fundraiser because that allows us to be sitting here in the rundown learning new information that we would not be learning on uh, really this yellow journalism uh, pages. And in my, in my view, really, all journalists are yellow journalists. Uh, I see all journalism as yellow journalism uh, because as, as anybody that has ever been the target of any media organization, really no matter where, almost, uh, you are learning things about yourself and about your personal life and about what whatever as you're reading these articles. That's really how bad the media is whether it's quote-unquote catholic whether it's secular cnn you know even conservative news etc cetera, etc cetera. uh so anyway just all of that to say thank you to everyone everybody that donated that allows us to learn new information here on the rundown tonight i have heard from a source which claims to be credible that everyone who donated to the father jackson fundraiser if you really think about it if you just stop and think about it someone who claims to have gone to law school might conclude that in this country you paid for a defense attorney for a man who has yet to be proven guilty and therefore that makes you a pedo enabler I've you know Mike, you know, i, I just want to add to that i think it's so disgusting um you know one of the early on rights in the bill of rights the fifth is to remain silent right and when father exercise that right he was criticized I mean, that's right are you, are you kidding me that's right yeah. what is the first thing if you ask a four-year-old when the cops knock on your door what are they going to say to you and they're going to say uh you're under arrest you have the right to remain silent yeah if you have the right to remain silent you exercise that we as catholics have the right by virtue of our baptism to go to mass every Sunday and receive the Eucharist. And we exercise that right to criticize someone for exercising a right is, is patently dis absurd. It's, it's disgusting. One thing I've noticed that kind of cuts across all society right now, and this is whether we're talking about the legal system or politics or war is that there seems to be this idea that we can't, uh, we can't take action against someone unless we first criminalize them or demonize them. Uh, we've lost the old idea of someone being an opponent, right? Uh, in, in, in war or a duel, you have your opponent. That doesn't mean he's a bad person. It just means you're in opposition to him. And legally, that's the way it's supposed to work with the concept of innocent till proven guilty. But we're moving towards this sense of thinking where we have to demonize or criminalize people before we feel like we can move, uh, you know, take any actions against them politically or whatever. So someone like Father Jackson or whoever has to be completely demonized even before the trial starts or or if we couldn't take military action, we have to make up all these things about how awful they are or in, or in politics. And it's just a very odd uh, situation that we've lost the ability to just think of people as someone on the other side or an opponent and we're just going to let the system work 
but we really have to go after and, and kind of tear them down first. And that's really something that's disappointing about our society right now. Yeah, it's a great comment. It seems to me that the government's case, at least in Rhode Island, is, uh, well, it's falling apart. All right, we've lost Archer for the moment, but we can continue on with the show. Uh, Archer does uh, allegedly have the most legendary unpop of all time. I don't know if he's going to come back and give it or not. I hope he does, because if he doesn't, I'm going to have to call him later and be like, yo, what happened to your camera? (laughs) That's what he gets uh, for dropping out. So, all right, let's let's go ahead and conclude uh, the show tonight. We need to get to the unpops. We need to get to the grifting segment. First, let me grift. I want to grift for our good friend, co-anchor, the man who has single-handedly produced the last four rundown episodes without any help from me, without any help from anybody else. The producerial uh, responsibilities for the rundown rotate because the rundown is an asset which sits outside of Restoring the Faith Media, LLC. It is jointly owned by the four of us who co-run it in our personal capacities. And Ryan Grant personally has produced the last four episodes of the rundown. And I want to bring in uh, and present to you a fundraiser on his behalf. He has been working tirelessly for the last several weeks. I haven't even shown up except for the past, the last five minutes of last week I showed up uh, because I got off an airplane after the show was already done and gave an unpopular opinion, but I haven't even shown up. And here he is, Ryan Grant, giving birth. Well, he's not giving birth. His wife is to a brand new baby, and they needed to have some help. We have a go, we have a give, send, go, not a GoFundMe. GoFundMe is evil. Give, send, go for helping the Grant family. The link is in the show notes. The link is in the live chat. I'm displaying it to you live on the screen right now. They need to raise $10,000. Folks, we need to get $10,000 into the pockets of the Grant family because they, as uninsured people, just had an emergency C-section. So what can you do here? Can you help them out? Oh, look, it's already at $5,000 just since the start of the rundown. We have doubled the giving here. We got to keep it going, though. We got to get to $10,000 or more for the Grant family. They just welcomed their ninth child into the world. God bless them with their new blessing. And Ryan Grant not able to join us on the rundown this evening. Could you go to Give, Send, Go and help the Grant family? Would you do that? Uh, let's do some. Uh, let's do the rest of the grifting segment while we're here. Let's let's grift. It's, I think it's time that we do that. <laughs> Besides our monastery, which I, I think our usual uh, rundown uh, viewers are well aware of, I just want to double um, Ryan's fundraising uh, initiative. I mean, emergency C-section; these things come out of out of the you know from your blind side, and so um, I mean every, everybody here gets a lot from the rundown. Um, we don't do any of this for for any money whatsoever. We show up every every weekend. Um, give uh, several hours of our time, time away from, from 
uh, at least for the three of them uh, away from their families to to bring you the news to bring you a, an authentic Catholic perspective and uh, it's 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 quite a commitment to be honest and uh, it's all 100% for free and so I hope that uh, whenever someone I mean one, one of these three ever have a, a sincere need um, that uh, all, all of you who have who have gained uh, quite a benefit from from watching the rundown will um, be inspired to to be generous and, and to give to those who have given also to you for for the good of your families as well so please uh, consider donating to to ryan phil grift something tonight it's time for you to grift all right i will grift and uh, i i just love what everybody's saying about ryan i spent two weeks ago i think it was i i spent the weekend with him at the Catholic Identity Conference, we grifted our books together uh, to the trad population, and it was uh, and I, he was he was there talking in Latin with Bishop Athanasius Schneider. It was just really cool to see. Um, so I I pray for Ryan and um, and I'm thankful for everyone. Uh, but I will grift some of my own stuff here. I just got done uh, putting together a a collection of writings uh, and this beautiful book on the life of Saint Bridget of Kildare. If you are a fan of, of St. Bridget, this has um, a couple versions, early medieval versions of her life. There's an original essay on her history I wrote at the beginning. There's a couple of poems, historical poems on St. Bridget and hymns. And then at the end, I have a whole appendix that I wrote uh, addressing the common um, accusation you hear that her cult is developed from a pagan uh, druidic cult. And... Um, Spoilers, it's bunk. <laughs> but, um, so it's on pre-order right now. I'm planning on shipping them probably in a few weeks. Um, there's a link that should go up in the uh, in the comment thread for uh, the pre-order, but you can find it on my little website, crookandhill.com, right on the front page. It's there. It's just a, I'm really happy with the way this looks and the way it reads. And so um, if you're interested in Irish Saints or St. Bridget, please check it out. And here we see your uh, your website. Sorry, it took me a minute to pull it up, uh, but I'm very interested in Irish saints. I, one of my children took a confirmation saint, Saint Bridget. Uh, very, very cool. And, and yeah, and, and the, the 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 common thing that they go after all of these early saints, and 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 especially like the ones that were really popular in the Middle Ages and the mm -hmm. uh, you know medieval times. Well, they, they, they never existed. This is what they say against St. Philomena. They say, oh, well, you know, modern scholarship says that St. Philomena well, never really existed. Yeah. So they took her out of the calendar in the new religion. It's ridiculous. And Bridget's skull is literally in, in Lumiar, Portugal. So, I mean, it's it's not like there's not a body, but she definitely existed. And I, I, thoroughly, I thoroughly go through this in the book. Nice. Thanks for writing it. Uh, we have to continue grifting, and tonight we're going to grift. Hey, I hope, Archer, you're ready to grift. I am, I am ready to grift, um, and I do hope that James comes back for the unpop. Um, <laughs> James gave us an Irish goodbye. All right, well, maybe we can wake him up and get him back for the unpop. <laughs> My grift this evening... I know you may find this hard to believe, but I'm I'm a New Yorker, and the Cardinal Archbishop in New York is a clown. I, I call him the Mall Santa. 
and I've told him that uh, uh, I'm glad you're you're used to wearing red because I have an idea as to where you're going. He is going after a, a good and holy priest. So my grift is is going to be for prayers for that priest. Uh, uh, they they will ten eleven will guess who it is um, because I'm involved, uh, and maybe the yellow journalists will too because they have some sources there. You know, in fact, this is kind of funny. Um, if you want to do a a real expose right of ten eleven, what you do is you take a woman. And dress her up as a man, and then disguise their voice and say things like, "Oh, brother priests," <laughs> um, you know. They've admitted who that is. That's kind of funny. Um, and those who know know. So my grift today is for a priest in New York who is being um, tossed aside by the bastard Cardinal Archbishop. Um, John Cardinal O'Connor, he was an admiral, a dear friend of our family. He used to say, if I had a vase and I knocked it off the table and it broke into pieces, the pieces are still mine. The vase is still mine. Mm-hmm. Um, this priest is in pieces. And and 1011 and uh, Timmy Dolan, the politician, has cast him aside. So for that priest... And by extension, you know, Father Jackson and so many other priests who are separated from the altar. My grift is, uh, let's just say a prayer for them. Alberto, what can you grift today? Anything? Nothing? Nada? Yeah, I got a, I got a small booklet over here. You can probably show it a bit. Well, let's see. Advice for successful families from, you can get this from Angelus Press. It's a it's really a, a very brief, very small book. And, you know, one thing that I had noticed in the past was, was that the clergy in the early last century, they would, they would be putting out books and writings speaking about certain uh, errors of the day and how the faith is supposed to help us guide in, in combating those errors. Uh, sadly, due to Vatican II, that, that has been greatly uh, diminished and greatly attacked. But thankfully, there's still some, some good priests out there being able to write books even though it's Im- most important to read old books it's still important to to read from the perspective from the clergy on how we are supposed to combat certain errors and certain attacks against the family uh, that we are seeing today so that's that's my grift advice for successful families you can grab it from angelus press speaking of angelus press i have to note angelus press conference kansas city next weekend coming to town you can still get tickets in fact they usually customarily discount tickets as you get closer to the event, contrary to how some events actually happen. Come on down to Kansas City. Come meet some of the members of the rundown. We'll be there at Angela's Press Conference, Kansas City, next weekend. Super fun. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I would just like to grift this uh, this rundown. I, you know, I haven't been with you in weeks. I haven't even been on here at all. I haven't had an opportunity to catch up with you guys and talk to you. Ever since, you know, some events have happened in my life. Some of you might know a thing or two about it, uh, but it's it's all good. The good news is that we have new life to celebrate. Helping the Grant family. Go to Give, Send, Go. Helping 
the Grant family, we're already at $5,400, more than 50% of what we need to help the Grant family. They need $10,000. Emergency C-section today, uninsured, need to pay for it. Guys, let's get on it. All right, final thing that we do in the rundown, ladies and gentlemen, we do the unpopular opinions. Let me get my banner up here. I have an unpopular opinion banner we need to... Mine is a two part, so I want to go first. And you want to go I want, first? I want my, as I said, it's a two part. You're such a New Yorker. So You're like, I, I have an first. opinion. I'm here. I want to go first, <laughs> and then I want to tee it up, and then I want to hit it off. All right, go first. <laughs> so the first part of my unpop is biological women. Can become priests. I don't, I don't even know what to do with that. What what is wrong with you? Why are you here right now? That's it. That's your unpop. No, I said it's a two part. I'm going first and I'm going last. <laughs> oh my God. That so point? that's my first part. <laughs> I feel like they. I feel like this is rigged. But brother, Martin, something <laughs> more to this probably. Help us out. This is democracy here at work. Here, try to win. Okay, unpopular opinion. Uh, try to humanism. You know, there's a lot of different uh, traditionalist perspectives, uh, traditional ideas uh, regarding the current crisis in the church. A lot of different factions. A lot of different sects. S-E-C-T-S. Um, you know, ideas that people have about the, the situation in the church, how it occurred, why it why it exists, and how it's going to be solved, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it has a, a, a serious – there's something seriously detrimental to this if, if people, you know, get into the little groups and only want to isolate themselves in certain groups and don't want to acknowledge the fact that it's someone else's perspective, um, you know, within the traditionalist movement is, is still legitimate and – and noteworthy is the, is the fact that uh, as your children get older and become um, become of age uh, to, to find a, a future spouse, all that kind of stuff, um, your, your selections that you would want your, your, your child to, to find a spouse in just gets narrower and narrower and narrower, and it creates certain problems. I mean, I, I know there was a certain traditionalist group that uh, had some sort of youth, young adult uh meeting or whatever that included uh 17 year olds to 40 year olds and i just thought that was kind of weird to be honest i mean um, if i was if, i mean i'm not a fa- obviously I'm not a father uh, of children but if i was a father of, of a young girl i would not want my 17 year old uh, to be in a group meeting a 40 year old i just wouldn't um but because uh, certain groups want to limit the the social environment of their children to a certain idea or a thesis or whatever else uh, that's kind of the consequence of that is, is to, well, they can't go left and right. So they have to go older, uh, all, all the way up to four years old. Um, and so my unpopular opinion is that, uh, for the sake of your children, for the sake of your children and, um, their future vocations and, and marrying and finding a good spouse, um, all of the accusations, of uh you know semi trads against uh recognize and resist and all that kind of stuff and instead of a conscious there there needs to be a legitimate ceasefire there needs to be a legitimate ceasefire 
Um, I, I, I tweeted a, a set of a contest priest, um, not, if not last week, the week before, charitably asking for a ceasefire, saying, hey, let's just stop talking about each other. Let's just stop. And he says, no, I want you, Brother Martin, I want you to keep talking about me and this me because it helps the state of a contest and all that kind of stuff. You know what? That, that's so stupid. And, and I don't trust that priest, to be honest. Brother, as, um, as, as I've been saying, the, the set of Akantis will be like, well, I can't believe that this week the recognizing racist is just attacking us consistently so much, We whatever. But then out of nowhere, they're on a daily basis attacking recognizing racist and saying that you're, that you're, uh, that, R and R is uh, heretics, etc., uh, etc. Et so it's they like literally do it on a daily basis. It's like you know? that meme where it's like, no one, no one, no one, and then the Sadis are like, "You're all going to hell if you go to the SMPX." <laughs> it's like, oh wow, hey guys, nice to, <laughs> nice to, I nice feel to meet like this. the marketing efforts, like the recruiting efforts, are uh, like leave a little bit to to be desired. If if the SETI position is true, and they might be true, we might all die and find out that the Sadis were right all along. Imagine that. That would be interesting. But even if we did that, would their evangelization, would their marketing efforts even be valid? I don't know. Exactly. So for the sake of your kids, for the sake of marriages, uh, my unpopular opinion is uh, we, we really need to be tradecumenists tra and, and, and just have a, have a ceasefire all around. <laughs> Phil, we're not grifting, but I just felt like we needed a transition <laughs> to you, and the transition had to be my face. Oh, right. Well, that's that's fair enough. So uh, it my should have been a cat. <laughs> <laughs> my popular opinion. Cat, um, this is something I was. I remember when I was with Ryan in Pittsburgh, we went out for pizza, and we were kind of having a little friendly chat about this, and we disagreed. Um, I've been to uh, I've been to Italy. And uh, I think Ryan's been to Italy too, but uh, I've had Italian pizza and um, I believe that American pizza is far superior to Italian pizza. Oh, I don't care where it's gosh. Naples, wherever. I would absolutely oh. have uh, it, American pizza over Italian pizza any day. It's Phil, just, I uh, was just going to invite you back to the rundown. I literally was going <laughs> to say, you can come back any time. I was about, it was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I, I lived in Italy. I lived in Italy. And while living in Italy, I craved American pizza. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Brother, you never told me that. We need to amend the lease right I've, now. I've told you that at least twice, if not three times. Well, I, I need to be heard. There's no such thing as American pizza. There's New York pizza. So, um, no, that's no, no, hey, no. we got Detroit pizza here in Michigan. We got Detroit pizza. Oh, my God. Kansas. There's New York pizza. New York pizza. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's the standard. <laughs> As somebody who used Ooh. to have an office in Chicago and has had a deep dish pizza in Chicago, I gotta tell you, Archer, I don't know. We might have to throw it out. And I don't even like pizza, but if I <laughs> if I could get a pizza out of Chicago, I might eat it. Oh, I love pizza. I love pizza. <laughs> and, and remember part one. Biological women can become priests. I know, I know, That's I know. We one. gotta get to Alberto. We gotta get to Alberto right. for popular opinion. Alberto, send traffic over. My uh, unpopular opinion is that we need to sort of go back to quote unquote arranged marriages. And it's obviously not arranged because there needs to be uh, yes. consent, obviously, for the sacrament. 
But what I see so often is even in, in, in trad families, you have guys getting to their thirties and they're nowhere to be married and their parents just sort of let, just sort of let it, let it be as if, uh, as if that was none of their, none of the concerns. So you have families where there's no vocations and then people are getting married late. Uh, so we need to go, we need to go back to parents actively from a relatively young age when, when there's a determination that there may not be that vocation to the religious life that, uh, the parents need to assist their children in finding uh, an adequate spouse. Boom. Hey, hey, uh, Alberto, can I ask you to make the Twitter poll for the Unpops? Have you been keeping track of everybody's Unpops? Uh, mentally. <laughs> mentally. <laughs> start, working on, start working on the poll because I never do it. I can't do it. Ryan does it so well. He's not here. Ryan is one of the producers of The Rundown, which is something that he helps run. All right, Archer. What the okay. heck, man? Come on. Wait, did you give yours? No, I don't have to give one. We only we can only do four. I didn't bring one tonight because we did we four. Can, we can only do four. Yeah. Okay. So I'm somewhat disappointed that Ryan and James weren't here tonight. But I, I will come up with my next one as good as this one. All right. So um, my unpop is in two parts. The first part is biological women can become priests. And if any of you want to be heard, I'm, I'm willing to, you know, take the blows. Come on. Okay, oh, we're you're all speechless. You're we're speechless. We okay. all know you're setting something okay. up. Let's hear it. All right. So biological women can become priests. Brother, you're going to like this. If and only if biological men can conceive and deliver babies. Okay. All right. You've redeemed yourself. You knew I was going to. I wasn't sure. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You I'm know, not that much of a Who is this opinion unpopular with? I'm well, not that a lot much of leftists. But it's, it's like, I wouldn't say I'm pleased. I was like, I'm relieved. I'm just like... <laughs> I know. I'm like, this video is not only going out to the mass audience, but it's going before Almighty God. And I have to account for the fact that Archer's on here being like, let's ordain the women. Well, you know, that's what the Yellow Journals is going to do. She's going to take that clip and play it. Exactly. Exactly. That that sounds like something that some people would do. Which is why what I was saying earlier about journalism is like they, they always take what you say. And not what you mean, and they and they use what you say to to their own personal ends, and not what you mean. Period. And so You're every set, single is is there a reason why journalism is so despised in this country? It has like a nine percent approval rate. It's lower than Congress, which is an achievement. Well, it's very simple. It's you don't tell the truth. You know, tell the truth. The truth will set us free, right? <laughs> it's well, very it's easy. They don't, they don't trust us, the people, to come up with our own conclusions, which is what yeah. I was saying before. They they want to sell us a particular conclusion. And when we don't draw the conclusions that they want us to draw, they attack us and sue us and whatever else. They don't they don't leave us free to draw our own conclusions about anything. No, this is America, and you're free to think whatever you want, so long as you agree with me. Right. If, we, if you want – what did they tell you early on in the core, Parrot? 
If you want, if we want your opinion, we'll give it to you. That's right. They also right? told us if you if if we wanted you to have a wife, we'd issue you one. Yeah, yeah. Like, I grew up, like, as you know, I grew up in a Marine Corps family. Some guys I know, some guys I've met along the way in my life wouldn't want a wife. <laughs> but that's a totally different thing. Hey, that old Marine, um, he said if he could stand in next week, you know, he, he just wants you to know that he's there for you, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Turns out not everything you read online is true because some people are just good people. Liars. I have two shotguns in my home. They're locked in a safe. There's a metal gun case. We live in an area that's wooded, somewhat secluded. And I said, Jill, if there's ever a problem, just walk out on the balcony and fire two blasts outside the house. Buy shotgun. Buy shotgun. You don't need machine gun. You don't need 30 rounds. Buy shotgun. Buy a double barrel shotgun. No, you don't need a flamethrower. And you don't need a tank. And you don't need an AR-15 to scare those thugs away. No, and I don't need a grenade launcher. I don't need an F-15. There's just one thing I need to do. And I'll stay away from me. Fire two blasts outside the house. Buy a shotgun. 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 Buy a shotg